When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. from Boston. Welcome to Coffee and Hardcore. Hello. <laughs> this is Wiley Willis in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. I'm trying to be quiet. I have my two co-hosts with me. Introduce yourselves. <laughs> this is Mick Cox from Parkersburg, West Virginia. Steven Scoba from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you're Steven Scopa from Boston, Massachusetts because of your half heart, 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 half heart. Yeah, behind you. That just got put back up because of the whole chaotic house house destruction packing. Not how many times does it say half heart behind you? One, two, three, four, five, five, five. There you go. Um. Well, hey, people listening. Coffee and Hardcore listeners and subscribers. This is season three, episode nine. And we have Porcel of Shelter, youth of today, judge, and bold on this podcast. What is up now? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like completely, that, it, this year is just completely, is out of control. And, uh, and getting to do that, was out of control. The process of trying to record it was out of control. <laughs> was even uh, more out of control. Yes, but should we talk about that a little bit? Or I don't. Well, we let's uh, just let's just say this. Let's say we had a plan, and the plan didn't work. <laughs> the bottom dropped out. <laughs> it was like because here I'll, I'll just share a little bit. Like the, how it was supposed to work. We do these things through Zoom calls, okay? And so we planned on doing this Zoom call. It had to be at a certain time of day. We're not going to get into the reason why it had to be a certain part of the day. Then, <laughs> well, because everyone's schedules conflicted right. like and, none other. So I happened to be at work, and so I I was like, okay, I'll be at work, and I'll just start it for you guys. Hit record and go, and then we'll be done. Well, not only did uh that not happened yeah but it, it just like <laughs> it went complete chaos at work like it just blew up insanely busy and then i couldn't get to a point where i was like okay i can totally focus on figuring out why this is screwing up and then everybody's on except for me and i keep trying to hit record and it won't hit record it kicks me off and i'm no longer the host and somebody else is a host i'm like how could it be anybody else be the host but me and so you guys had to go do your own thing 
Yeah, we basically, <laughs> <laughs> luck, luckily, uh, Purcell, uh, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, he started doing these, these Zoom uh, yoga calls with people and he still does them now <laughs> and and he told us he, he's like yeah there's this free version but you can only talk for like 40 minutes and they'll kick us off sure enough <laughs> it took like we did like an hour and a half conversation i think it took us like three and a half hours to 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 get it all rolling and figure it out all out <laughs> but it was cool and Purcelli was a sport he was super kind he was super nice um behind the scenes i mean like he did yeah. not get frustrated once uh he 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 was all i can say is he he was a sport about it like it made me have way more respect for him because he could have got like hey my time is important too you know but he wasn't like that at all he oh, was yeah. super chill yeah um so. so it sucks that you guys couldn't join it but we did have a guest host and who was that mick <laughs> Steven number two. Steven DeFalco. <laughs> We've had him on the podcast before. Yes, we have had him on the podcast before. He's a super awesome guy, and I feel like a jerk because I couldn't remember his last name. Um, but, no, he's he's a great guy, and we had him on before. And uh, it was awesome to know that – because he does his own podcast, right? Yeah, Frisky yeah. Morrison Friends. Yeah, yeah. And that was a pretty, pretty – it's a pretty big deal. And yes. so it was cool to have him kind of step up and do it. So that's awesome. So thank yes. you, Steven DeFalco. I've been on his podcast twice with Octobird and Two Minute Minor, like, and it's 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 not just like a Zoom call. We went down to the studio. Yeah, our band played three live tracks, and then the whole band did an interview with them. So, like, he's the reason I podcast, honestly, or even thought about it, because cool. he made podcasting. You know, this was like 2007, 16. Yeah, 17, yeah. 16. He made it like seem reachable where i at that time i didn't know that podcasting there was something that anyone could really do and he like encourages people yeah everyone should podcast like and i just never thought it was obtainable or reachable you know That's and then cool. when i reached out to mick about starting the coffee hardcore podcast i was like he's the first person i thought of was mick knows how to do all this stuff he likes <laughs> hardcore <laughs> <laughs> so steven uh kind of and he was in one of the early episodes that we chatted yeah. with him yeah um but he he really uh he led this conversation i was i was pretty nervous because i'm a huge fan of shelter i'm a huge uh youth of today fan and judge of course and i was just like if you want to take this conversation and run with it do it and he did like i honestly didn't even need to be there <laughs> 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 but it was it was good it was good and i'm glad we we got it and uh i also get to talk to mick lambrew who does tons of artwork for the hardcore community and one of his most known works of art is that 2018 Slapshot make america hate again album cover yep. yeah and that chat was really cool really good I'm, really good yeah chat. i'm so glad i got i got to talk to mick lambrew um we talk about coffee. We talk about hardcore records on this thing. We do it all like normal, yeah. hey? Yeah, it's, it, this is a good episode. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for it. So, Everyone's going to love it. Yeah. So let's just uh, let's get into it. Let's jump into the – hey, you guys want to do the Mick Lambrew episode? You want to do it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, let's, yeah. let's start out with that. Let's start with that. Yeah, that'd be good. Cool. Let's do it. All right, Mick. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me chat your ear off and uh, and uh, and talk about some things. But he's got some good things to say. So let's listen to it now. Here you go. talented Mick Lambrew here on the Coffee and Hardcore podcast all the way from Australia. Woo! Welcome, man. Thank you. you Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm very well. For sure. And for the listeners, if you follow Hardcore, I know you've seen his work. You might not know it, but you have. Mick is an artist that has done shirt designs and tour posters for Murphy's Law, Sheer Terror, Agnostic Front, Madball, Hoods, Sub-Zero, The Take, The Business, Rest in Power, Mickey Fitz, for sure, Godfather, and uh, Slapshot, and many, many, many more. So that's impressive, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. you uh, you're you're a, a hardcore artist legend, for sure. Um, but, but let's start this. I have a two-part question for you. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into drawing? And how in the world did your art become so huge and well-known in this hardcore community? Um, the first part is with my drawing. It's just something I've always done. Um, since I was a little kid, for as long as I can remember, I was always drawing and drawing, drawing. Um, and then it got more um i guess serious with it when i started to get into comic books and things like that when i was a, a kid and a teenager um and it's what just was one your, of those what was things. your favorite comic book when you were a kid? um probably batman nice batman and Good it one. probably Classic. still is i'm a batman punisher sort of guy so the vigilante type stuff is is what i like um yeah. and that probably comes across a lot in my art as well the the comic book style so um yeah it was just one of those things that i just kept up i I never really stopped um i sort of changed directions on on what i wanted to do and um and got into painting and and other stuff um and then i've come sort of full circle back to back to drawing predominantly um and yeah that's pretty much it, that was the only thing I was kind of ever good at as well uh, was just drawing. So I wasn't sort of a- academically gifted in any way. So um, drawing was that one thing that um, that always interests me and I never sort of lost that passion for. So, um, and how it became, I guess, popular. Um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. It's, it's one of those things that's just one person sees it and then another person sees it and then it sort of starts being noticed by by all sorts of people and I guess all it takes sometimes is just that that one person that can help you push it further to take notice and and help you out um and that's probably um 
a good segue into how you know I I got into the slap shot onto the slap shot cover and, and things like that is is just it just got noticed by maybe the right person at the right time um but then again I, I did really wanted to make this style something special that I'd be kind of recognized for so I, I put a lot of time and effort into um into the art before it even was noticed by anyone really. Um, I just kept pumping out more and more work um, in the hope that people would actually notice it or, and like it as well. So it was um, a lot of hours, many hours spent at this desk drawing. <laughs> yeah. So were, this wasn't a question I sent you, but were you into hardcore before that? Or was that just the scene that kind of, or community that kind of noticed it? No, no, I've been going to punk and hardcore shows since I was about 15. Oh, perfect. Um, so it's been a, a big part of my life. And, and that's another thing is I'm not a musician. Um, and so it's how you connect kind of to that scene? Yeah, that I mean, I, I, I briefly played in a band 22 odd years ago. Um, but I think the art side of, of this is, I guess now as I'm much older um, is my way of almost giving back to the scene that I think's given me so much, you know, in return. Um, yeah, and it's been great. such a huge part of my life. It's, um, you know, I still go to shows as often as I can. Um, I went to one last week. I'm going to see, you know, Zabulba on Saturday night here in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's shows that I still love going to so yeah it's yeah. great man so that's always great when you do something that you love and it connects with the scene or community that you love too that's huge yeah yeah that's right so the second question and you kind of dived into it a tiny bit there was um so you did that album cover for slapshot uh the make america hate again in 2018 and i have to say that it's such a badass album cover and i remember <laughs> i bought the the record because I absolutely love Slapshot and the art just amazed me like I I was just staring I'm like this is really cool because it's like that old 80s throwback but done in your style and like still relevant it's weird how your art is it's like it's definitely that throwback but it's still your own more relevant today style and it automatically that art just hooked me and I was like I gotta find out who this artist is so I was like, this artist probably would never do anything for us, but I'm going to reach out and see if, uh, if they would do, if, you know, if you would do that up the pups that we did in 2018 and you were like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And you even, the first one, you even donated, uh, the album cover. You're like, it's for the dogs. I want to donate it to you guys for free. And we're like, what? <laughs> so we really appreciate that. But how did you Thank get you. that? Pleasure. How did you get that Slapshot gig? And is that the thing that kind of set you off, you think? Yeah, I think that was the first real big thing that I that I did. Um, and basically everything you described about it is pretty much what I was going for. Um, I I love that 80s style flyer art and, and that's what I've always tried to kind of emulate in a lot of my my art especially that the earliest stuff that i've i've done um so how it came about was 
that and the good thing about um being on the other side of the planet in the on opposite sort of time zone is i get a lot of messages from people overnight so i don't see them until the morning and i'll always remember this one that um you know i woke up one day and i had a message from jack obviously from snapshot and um yeah and he was like hey man uh, we've seen your art we like it do you want to do the cover for our new album i was like well of course i would i'd I'd love to um and i was wasn't given much time basically i had to do it straight away um how much time uh i think i did the whole front and back cover by hand including all the text and everything Um, isn't there an insert too that you did um I think they reused some of the art oh, for the interior, okay. but I did the front and back cover. Um, and the back within, was them, right? Like you drew them? Yeah, I did sort of portrait, cartoon yeah. portraits of them. And all the um, song titles were done by hand in that sort of college logo. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And stuff. Uh, I think I did it all start to finish within about four days. Oh, wow. And... Um, how, I, how it actually came about though is the I think the original artist his um, the artwork was a little bit too political for what they they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so they hired I, someone else originally. Yeah, they had and someone they got else. It, they were happy. Yeah, they had, oh. and it was a completed artwork and, and everything. And um, it sounded like they couldn't reach an agreement on on a compromise oh is it because um, it was called make america hate again and they were kind yeah of it? yeah and and one of the briefs in the brief that jack gave me the main thing he did say was don't make it political yeah. um so i just did whatever honestly whatever popped into my head um and then that's basically what the final product ended up as it was um just that's the, crazy that's yeah crazy. just a, whatever sort of image i had about i had listened to the record first and i thought that that wow. image matched the the songs and the and it is a, it does look like a cool throwback sort of cover yeah um, it's so cool so you basically got to listen to this record before anybody this is freaking yep. slap shot and jack's contacting you and this in your mind you're probably like dude this is my break right like, yeah, I was pinching myself all the time saying, what the, <laughs> you know, this is, this is bizarre. This is crazy. This is something I never thought would happen or, um, and I guess to finish off how it actually came about that they asked me was um, Jack's now wife actually followed me on Instagram and she oh, no suggested shit. that they ask me um, that there's like, Oh, what about this guy? And, and they oh, looked wow. at my art. Um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, let's try this guy. And, um, and that's how it came about. So um, I have a lot to thank um, her for as well, that she suggested that um, I have a go. So, um, but yeah, so it was a very rushed um, and frantic it sort like of it at all. It looks great. experience. Yeah, it was, it was full on. It still feels like it was yesterday, even though it was coming up to five or nearly six years ago. Um, now that I actually did did the artwork so um and then when i got the when i saw the final product that um chris from bridge nine sent me that's when it kind of hit me that um 
that it was, was real. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was. And they um, put they put was, all your stuff on t-shirts and everything too. Yeah, t-shirts, posters. That's so um, cool. All sorts of stuff. So I've got the I've got the poster in a frame in my in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a dude. as a memento. So yeah. And honestly, that's the coolest album. And I'm not just saying this, but that is the coolest album cover that Slapshot has. It's so Thank rad. You. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> so good. Um. So, uh, yeah, moving on a little bit. I bought I bought this book. Like, I try to I try to support you because I think you're a great artist and you Thank do you. a lot of great things in the community. But I saw you did a book, right? Called "It Blows My Mind." Uh, it was released this year, correct? Earlier yes, this year, in, yeah, in uh, April. Oh, April. April yeah, May. Yeah. So how did you hook up with Danny on this book for the co-release? Is it a co-release? Is it? Did he do it? Like, are you just the illustrator? But like, how did this come about? Um. Well, the first time I met Danny was um, just through social media, like, I guess, like how we met. Um, so he, we followed each other. Then he did ask me if I was interested in doing um, some artwork for Northside Kings, which again, another sort of bucket list thing for me. So of course I, I said yes. And then we worked together on quite a few designs for his clothing brand um total garvone so mm. over time um we just were talking a lot he's actually danny's actually become one of my best friends so we're we're pretty close um have, have you guys ever met in in real life no yet? that's the no. that's the the kind of the bizarre thing is we're like two peas in a pod and it's it's like we've always known each other but um but we've never actually met in person so um yeah. So over time, um, we just talk, or, you know, talk about all sorts of random stuff. And then one day Danny said, look, I've got this idea for a book. Um, this is kind of what I'm thinking. You know, do you want to sort of be a, I guess, a co-creator of this and, and help me put it out? And I was like, yeah, of course I would. So, um, so Danny wrote, wrote it and I illustrated um all the all the images and, and stuff for it so we created the character so he um, sent together. you the book and you read it and did the illustrations um not even that it was more initially it was just an idea and a couple of snippets from the book mm. um, but nothing was was really finalized um in the way of the the text and stuff yet so we kind of worked on it together he'd send me ideas um this is i've got this one can, you know let's put a drawing to this one and um, I'd send him sketches and we'd go back and forth until we finished it it took about 15 months to do oh so it wow was, yeah it became a, a real sort of labor of love and um were you working on that full-time or just kind of part-time here and there yeah that was it was a part-time here and there sort of thing so um it was when I'd have sort of some spare time I'd I'd do a cartoon and um, send it to Danny and wait to hear what he thought about it. And he pretty much gave me free reign on, on the cartoons um, that, that made it into the book. And I think there's about nearly 50 illustrations in the book, including the cover. So yeah, there's um, a lot. Yeah. So I, I love um, the one of you two that you drew at the, in the pizza place. Yes. In front of the pizza uh, place. That one's great. <laughs> that's, the, the, that's the closest we've gotten to, being in the same place together so <laughs> because we didn't have a photo that we could take together I, I sort of drew one 
um, yeah it's great to, to make up for it so um yeah so it's, it's been going well um we're planning to do more with that sort of that concept and that that character i guess that that um is loosely based on on danny but but not really so it's just they've sort of got a um they do look a little bit alike yeah but, um but yeah it's been it's been going well um we'll keep pushing it and, and trying to get it out there as much as we can but um yeah that's kind of that's how that whole thing came about so um yeah that's awesome um i like that he started the social media for it and it's it's so funny it's like kind of like get off my lawn kind of humor like, yeah it is <laughs> i really love it <laughs> but uh so you've done artwork for my band two minute minor you did our 80s and 90s kids cartoon theme song uh mm-hmm. album back in our day that we raised money for suicide prevention you did the first up the pups comp shirt artwork you know whole nine yards you did our repress for our first album uh, you also did that mini tour poster and shirt a few evenings out with two minute minor and you know to uh to push up the pups too you did all that artwork as well super mm-hmm. appreciate it that's coming out uh late september early october but what's next for you like what's on the table you're such a talented artist do you have anything that you're allowed to talk about that's next um yeah i probably will um there's the, some some of the stuff's been kind of um been i've been waiting for announcements for a while but i kind of I don't plan too much. I kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. Um, I try not to make, because I have a full-time job and, you know, I've got stuff outside of, of this that um, that gives me enough stress, like two children. Um, I try not to <laughs> yeah. let it, try not to let it stress me out too much. So I, I don't really um, plan a lot of stuff. I let whatever happens happen. Um, but I've got, um an album cover coming up for a band called diamond dogs um, an oi band from um i think they're from the new york sort of area so hopefully that's coming out soon um i've done a shirt for e-town concrete that hopefully they'll have out soon um i did a shirt for concrete elite um that hopefully they'll have out fairly shortly as well um i did a t-shirt for a local band called um kid presentable so, local to you uh, uh well not well local in australia they're not okay. local to me they're they're in canberra um okay. which is sort of our nation's capital so they're from they're from there and one thing i have been planning though after saying all that stuff was um me and a mate of mine have been working in the background on a um a merch company so oh. hopefully in the next few months, um, we'll have something to launch. Um, we've been working away on that for the past few months. And initially it'll just be sort of shirt designs and stuff. And then hopefully like, we'll. So you do all the design out. work. Uh, we both do. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's already in the, in that merchandising business. Um, and he's an artist himself. So we're kind of sharing the, the design responsibilities, um, across the artwork and um yeah and then hopefully depending on how that sort of goes we might branch out to to doing band merch as well that's or exclusive sort of band merchandise um 
and um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've had bubbling away in the background. But um, that's pretty much it. And I, mean, I guess even today, I'm, I'm finishing off a new Shitera shirt. So nice. Uh, which is funny because after I spoke to you yesterday, um, I got a message from Paul asking me if I was had any free time to to do a shirt design for them. So, <laughs> so I'll be that's finishing great. that. So, and that's what happens. Honestly, that's what that's how it happens. It's once one thing's finished, I you know, I'm lucky enough to get a message from someone else, and they'll ask me if I've got some time. And if I do have time, I'll I usually help them out. And if I don't, then I'll I'll I might pass. But um, yeah, that's kind of it. Just that's just the way it goes so um yeah for now that's pretty much it really um yeah no that's awesome that's yeah it's funny because how that works like we just reached out to to uncle paulie there of sheer terror to be on the podcast and he accepted so we were talking back and forth about that and then i was like oh i really like the the revamp of the old you know skinhead with the with the pit bull Yep. that you did you did that for their tour poster right i did yeah the euro tour yep is that going to be a t-shirt are you allowed to say um i think a variation of that oh, that's be. gonna be great i will yeah. be getting that that's gonna be great so last question do you have yes. any bands or anybody or any company or anything that you would just love to work with that um if they if they heard this maybe they'd work with you like is there anybody who's not on your radar or like or not they're not on your radar or whatever like anybody that you just love to it would be a pleasure and an honor to work with um oh that's a tough question uh could i think because a lot of the bucket my bucket list bands i've been lucky yeah you've already to, done right yeah so it, <laughs> i mean there are a lot there's a couple of bands that they're not really active, but I would love to, to, to do something with them, you know, um, a, a blood for blood or biohazard or one of those sort of bands. I'd, I'd be pinching myself if, if I got a message from either of those guys, but you heard um, of biohazard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I mean, ACDC are my all time favorite band, but that would be crazy. That's, that's, you don't think I that try to happen? keep I try to keep my bucket list bands to <laughs> you know realistic realistic yeah. type of 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 um of dreams but um but even you know doing something you know for someone like Terra or or 100 Demons or someone like that that um would be cool um or even you know doing my own version of Eddie for Iron Maiden would, would oh, be, be, be really cool so but in saying that, you know, the the bands that I've that you listed earlier um, that I've worked with were kind of the bands that I, I never thought in a million years that I'd get to work with. So um, I'm forever grateful for for anyone that asks me. Really, um, I'm yeah. I'm kind of chuffed that anybody is interested in what I do. So I appreciate all the you know messages I get from from people, regardless of whether they're in a in a big band or a small band or whatever that that wants to um work with me so yeah great um before we leave here i got the book <laughs> i love this book are you guys planning on doing another one by chance um yeah we i know it just came we'll, out so 
Yeah, we're we're kind of we're we're throwing around ideas for potentially doing a a sort of a prequel type oh, one cool. where where the character Carmine is is younger and it's it's more things from the eighties or early the origin 90s. story. So, um, yeah, guys, kind of um, our our vintage that that will get the jokes um, mm-hmm. and um, and also maybe like little comic strips sort of three or four panel kind of um you know newspaper comic strips oh, that's um, cool. of little funny scenarios that we could place him into so we've got a few ideas and, and really the, the possibilities are almost endless with that that kind of concept so um we'll see how we go um anything that we do with that will take time so uh yeah hopefully yeah. hopefully we'll work on on some more of, of carmine and 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 me and danny will probably still work on stuff for a while still i think it's great man well i appreciate you i appreciate you taking the time i know you're 12 hours uh we're 12 hours different so it's early where you're at so i super appreciate you uh thank you waking up and and chatting with me <laughs> <laughs> no, i was i was already awake anyway so that's all right um but that's, that's great you know, i thank you guys for um asking me on i really appreciate it so um yeah means sure. means a lot to me to 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 have people interested in, in what I do. So, so thank you very much. Yes. I will always be a supporter of you. So thank you. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. See you mate. Bye-bye. Yep. Yes. It's coffee time. Coffee, 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 coffee. Cappuccino. Java. Yes. Hey, what's up? Woo. How y'all doing? We're it's that time. The coffee time. Coffee time. Coffee time, coffee, coffee, coffee time, coffee time, coffee time, coffee time, coffee time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, baby boy. Bye. <laughs> baby boy is walking to the store to get ice cream with mama. And they're nice. waving bye to me. That's right. That- we went to the zoo today. Woohoo. Right, right. Woo-hoo. In like right in the right in the middle of the coffee review. You're going to go get ice cream. <laughs> That's super awesome. Well, you not can me. make you well, but if they bring ice cream back. Then you can make an affogato. Yeah, they do have vegan ice cream at this place, and they uh, Libby usually buys me these vegan cookie dough shakes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, coffee time. Um, so this company across the river or ATR got a hold of us through social media which any coffee company is uh, welcome to do so if anyone oh, yeah. from a coffee company is listening to and send us free coffee. We'll always love that. We'll always <laughs> review it. <laughs> um, but he hit us up and was like, hey, I like your podcast. Uh, I'm into hardcore. Uh, I brew coffee. So this sounds like uh, we're meant to be together. And I was like, cool, send me some. <laughs> but he sent it to all of us. You guys got some too. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, Stephen, why don't you jump into yours? Tell us what he sent you. Um, so yeah, he sent me two bags. I got um a Costa Rica Jag and a Honduras Cosma. They're both organic. Um, so I, at my first taste, I'm gonna be a complete honest. I I screwed up <laughs> making it. You screwed up. I, I, yeah, I think I I think <laughs> I didn't put enough coffee in because I'm like this isn't this isn't really what I expected. And then, you know, I got into a little bit more and I I did it the right way and it it's killer coffee both bags i loved um i think the 
Costa Rica Jag, I tend to go to a little more. It was a little, it, felt, it was smoked a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, great caffeine. Um, Top notch. Definitely. Uh, the, the company I'll tag it. I'll, I'll get into it a little bit. I know you guys are going to touch it probably, but they stand for awesomeness. Um, they're involved in their community. Um, they, they got a, a lot going on there. I did chat with one of the guys. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same when you talked to a little bit online. Um, and uh, he just seemed like a cool dude. Um, like one of us, he said he was like into the scene big time um, before he got sober. Cause he's into that as well. Um, Christ centered co uh, coffee company. I, I loved it. I, I think it was really good coffee. Everybody that's come to my place and tried it has enjoyed it and asked where they can get more from. So um, I'm definitely going to try some more great coffee. Yeah. They're from Florida was, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Florida. A lot of it's... good things don't come out of Florida. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the good things it does. Yeah. It's um, um it's great. I, I send more free stuff. I love it. But I say, yeah, they said in their story that they love broken people, coffee, and yeah. the big guy, Jesus himself. Yeah. Right? They say their yeah. goals are to provide jobs to others who have yep. left addiction behind. Mm -hmm. Roast the best cup, cup of coffee you can find and share the love of Jesus one cup at a time. Great. It's great stuff in my book. Yeah. So you like it? Yeah, it was really good. Um, I did a little research on them and they, they, they're they all about the farmers, where they're getting the beans from, um, you know, really giving back to to them as well. So it it, it it's all good stuff. Very positive, um, you know support them I, I think they're doing great things down in florida well the coffee company is yeah yes the coffee yeah yes. the coffee they, company they, is yeah. doing great things <laughs> <laughs> anybody that anybody that's helped support broken people i mean come on it's just yeah. i know i know you guys too this is like what kind of we're all about so um you know mental health and addiction and um it's just and coffee it's good stuff yeah mick how about you well, see, I got the I got the Costa Rica Jag as well, and I really dug it. Like it's it's like really dark and deep, and it's got that smoky feel to it. Uh, mm. I called it deep dark bliss. Is how, I can, how I how I felt when I was drinking it. Uh, the worst thing that I can say about it is there wasn't enough of it because it was gone. It was gone in three days. Um, I loved it black, which is not normal for me because I like a little cream and sugar in mine, but I did love it black. It had a great taste, uh, but I adored it with cream and sugar. I mean, it was absolutely delicious. The first morning we brewed it, I drank two cups before I went to work. And then I took a thermos of it to work and drank it pretty much all morning <laughs> until about two o'clock. So yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely delicious. I love it. It, 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 with, uh, I, the, the, I think the second day, uh, we had it. Lindsay had made something like desserty, and it was just it. It was like really good to have that dark cup of coffee with something sugary, and it right. just they went really really well together. So I I loved it. It's I'm gonna make a statement. It's probably my second favorite dark coffee. Wow, wow. Yeah, what's your what's the first there? Oak and Crow's my the the dark Oak and Crow's my my probably my favorite. This is my That's second right. favorite. 
So, and I'm not just saying that because I'm good bros with Jacob because he, he, but he does make a well, and he makes a damn he, good cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and because he sponsors the podcast, right, right, and and right. you know, and helps out with a bunch. So it's not just that reason. It's there's a reason why he's hooked up with us. It's because it's really good. But um, but yeah, like ATR coffee. The Costa Rica Jag. It's my. It, it is. It's my second favorite dark coffee. And I and like Stephen, I'll, I'll get some more of it because it's it's delicious. How much so is a bag of that? Oh, Dang never it. mind. I I, I you know. know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I forgot. I wrote it down in my note. I did. I did a little bit of. I did a little bit of back searching on this company. So. So what what did you get? I, I think you got something different than Stephen and I, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the Honduras Cosma Organic Medium Roast. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and I have to say it's, it's pretty good coffee. Uh, when I opened the bag, it had like this slight peanut butter smell mixed oh, with no like, way. Yeah. Mixed with like a pine nutty kind of smell. Uh, I thought it smelled great. And I made some for Libby and Libby's mom when she was over here helping with the boy and they both said they smelled peanut butter. So I'm not crazy. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think it's a great cup of coffee. Uh, nice. I, I could make this an everyday cup of coffee, honestly. It's got good flavor. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, though, with the one I got, it's kind of light bodied coffee. So I had like I've made it three different times before I figured out how to make it properly. Kind of like Stephen was saying, yeah. like the first time I put what I normally make coffee with and it was way too light. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the second time I made it a little bit stronger and it still wasn't there like. And I don't make my coffee like super heavy. Right. Right. But this stuff was really light bodied. But once you like figured out the ratio to put it in, it's a a damn good cup of coffee. It's a crisp cup yeah. of coffee. It's got a sharp taste at first and then mellows out after the first sip. So I would say I'm a fan. And in my notes, I wrote coffee runs 14 to $17 on their website, depending on what you get. Yeah, that's not a bad price no, for this coffee no. for this coffee at all. Go ahead. Uh, I was no, I was just gonna say like, so you got the light. So normally light has got a stronger kick. Well, it was wise. it was me. It they said it was medium, but in in my you know coffee drinking experience, right. it tasted like light roast. But, oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. caffeine seems good, but I mean, I drink about a pot of coffee a day. So. Right. Right, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to get something that really kicks you when you drink coffee as much as we do. So, I just wanted to see how their light was. When I reached out to them, I actually asked him about that. He said that these these didn't have as much caffeine as that he's used to. So, um, I think it was it's, it was a little bit less caffeine than the the norm. But I felt like it that kind of made it easy to drink with everything anytime. Right, of the day. right. Um, which which I I enjoy that stuff. So, but. I definitely get the whole thing you went through with the, the brewing because I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I figured when you said that in the beginning, I'm like, ah, I know what he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually uh Oak and Crow plug. I'm drinking the um, agnostic front coffee right now. Oh, nice. The eliminator. How is, is it, it good? I haven't had it. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Nice. Jacob, Jacob sent me a bag for uh, promotion stuff. And uh, it's it's really really good. And you know what? Speaking of speaking of agnostic front eliminator oak and crow coffee, 
We got Roger Merritt coming up right now to tell you about it. Here we go. Hey, this is Roger from Agnostic Front. Oak and Crow and AF bring you the eliminated Doc Roast coffee. That's right, coffee is our business and Doc Roast is fine. I love that slogan. Anyway, Oak and Crow is the official sponsor of the Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. Get yours at oakandcrow.com. See you in the pit. Remember, coffee is our business and Doc Roast is fine. Cool. There he was, the man himself. Roger the Merritt. <laughs> the Godfather of Hardcore. <laughs> cool, guys. Uh, that was so, cool, yeah. So across the river, ATR Coffee, what do you rate it? I don't how do we how do we do our rating system? I don't remember. We don't really have one. It changes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to do five cup of coffee thing, and then we yeah. would do. Wasn't like, it pots? Like we did pots too. Yeah, we did pots. And then I think uh, um, Encyclopedia of Hardcore did Killers. <laughs> yeah. Killers. At one point. So I don't know if we have one. Maybe, maybe what this, this month, what do we rate it? Uh. How about this? I'm I'll do this. I'll I'm gonna say it was four point eight fresh pots. <laughs> Out of five fresh pots, it was four point eight. Love it. How about you there, Killa? I'll, I'll do um I'll do four and a half killers, and and point and point two fresh pots, and then a point one boom. So four four point eight four point eight total. Just like I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four out of five only because I had to like do a brewing school to figure out how to. You had to work to, for your brew. Yeah. I had to work for my brew. And if I had to work for my, if I had to do three pots of coffee before I got it right, if I paid for it, I don't know if I'd be super happy. Right. <laughs> so you suck. We're out of here. <laughs> Boom. Damn good coffee. And hot. Okay, this is Dan. This is Matt. This is Chase. This is Drew. We're running to the sun, and you're listening to Love right here on Coffee and Hardcore.
go it's hardcore time we're gonna review some eps and we're gonna start off with mine um I yours is the with... only ep yeah yours is oh, the is only it? ep dude. is it the only ep <laughs> yeah all right so two albums in an ep <laughs> um this was <laughs> this was just released in september um it's a south florida band another whoa florida, florida yeah um, okay two good things came out of florida <laughs> so I, I picked a small band with a big sound. Um, it's Jester. Oh, I like that. Um, it's just joking is the name of the EP. It's super quick. Um, but how many tracks it, is it? Did you already say that? Four. Um, five. Five. Five tracks. Sorry. Five. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it, so it. I don't. It's super gnarly. Um, they got me in the right in the beginning because you know they got the Monty Python. Um, the oh, jokes. is that what that's from? Yeah, yeah. So it grabbed me. Um, yeah, I love that. The I whole, that. the whole, the whole EP set up with the 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 jester type thing, the jokes. Um, it's just it's super cool for me. Um, it hooked me right away. I love the guitar work. I thought it sounded different. Um, then the normal like hardcore that's going on right now, it's got that like echo vocals, the the big sound. Uh, it's super loud. I just it, all of it came together very well. The only thing I'm gonna knock it for is it's super done with quick. And I know hardcore is fast songs, but it's just like so fast that I'm like, ah, I need I need more of that. Like it's just gone. Yeah, it's like so it's like eight minutes. Yeah, it's like super fast, but I, I love it. It's their first stuff. They're uh, they're really new to the, the scenes. Um, I think they did a great job capturing the whole Jester feels. Uh, the artwork was killer. Um, ding 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 ding. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really great. I I love it. And in the the whole Monty Python stuff, like in there, they keep coming back with it. So it it definitely it got me good. Uh, my favorite song is Laugh It Off. So that's definitely the one that I want to drop for you guys. Um, I think you're gonna like it. Cool, let's do it now.
nice. diggy boom. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so got, I, I got, have to say, I have to say, I like this pick, Stephen. I thought it was a good one. I love the intro clip. I'm glad now I know what it's from. I really like that it kicks in with the bass and that rad guitar track. And these vocals, you've probably figured out by now, I really like high vocals a lot. Like, I like these vocals a ton. Well played, well written, recorded well. Um, I'll say that when that second track kicks in, I was actually a little bit worried because I thought to myself, oh man, this is all going to sound the same, isn't it? This whole record, like <laughs> same temp, same tempo and sounding as the first track. But then the second track slows down and breaks down and it's so nasty and heavy. I love this band. Like they recaptured me right at that moment. I think got to be kidding is my favorite track. Um, I'm glad I got to hear the CP. Definitely made my ears happy. Guitar work is so great. Drummer is super talented. Love it. Have nothing but good things to say, except <laughs> for this whole like jester joking thing. Like, are they going to run with this the whole time? Like you said, they're pretty. Is this the first thing they have? First thing. Yeah. It's like real new. I'd just be, drop everything. I'd be interested to see if they keep running with it and how creative they get with it because that could get stale really quick in my opinion but if they're creative with it it could be it could be cool as long as they stay away from like the icp kind of thing <laughs> no juggalos but anyways anyways i love it though <laughs> yeah i like it i like it i'm, I'm from michigan so i know all about juggalos I like I like some of the songs how they they get into the guitar work, but I feel like they kind of the one thing I'll, I will say is they kind of hit it at the end, and I'm like ready like it's almost like I'm going to another level with it, and then it's on to the next song. So I would I would like to see them grow their songs a little bit. That that would be pretty cool. Yeah, but if it's their first thing, it's, yeah, it's yeah. probably like kind of like a demo kind of here's our music, you know? Right, right. That's typical in hardcore. Yeah, it's really great stuff. Ain't nothing wrong with that, right, Mick? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, right, man. <laughs> so here, here's my take. All right. You want the here's my positives. Here's my positives first. All right. I love the bass tone. It's noisy and sassy and punches you in the face. It sounds like a chainsaw. Uh, the whole band sounds like a chainsaw. It sounds like a huge buzzsaw just ripping through a forest and tearing everything down. Um, and I and I I love like you said, Wiley, I was a little worried after the first song going into the second song. I thought I was going to be the same old, same old, but it it wasn't. It changed. I even like this how they structure their songs and everything. What turned? What really just? I don't know. I I just can't get past the name of the band, and I can't get <laughs> past the artwork. I can't, and I it bothers me that much, and I don't know why. And and this is just me, and I'm nobody. So don't don't you know like if. If I could listen to this band with clips and all and not see that cover, I think I, I just think I'm judging it really hard because of what's wrong with the cover? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the name of the band. It bothers me. I hate it that instead of an S, it has a Z. It, there's just, and then you told me they're from South Florida, and I'm like, okay, it makes perfect sense now. Um, so oh, maybe, maybe I can be easier on it now. I don't know. And I know you guys dug the vocals, but I felt like the vocalist was in a well. What? Um, that was cool. I it was like, it was it's like different. It's yeah. like, it's like strife multiplied by 20. So 
<laughs> I thought it was cool. Yeah, I just didn't. I it was just not for me. It wasn't me. So it's I'm fine. not. It, and I'm not like seriously. Everything. I I don't know. It's a good. It's a good EP. I think if I if I close my eyes and listen to it and not look at the cover and not know what the band is, I'd be <laughs> super into it. Uh, but for some reason, that just turned me off. Even I think I could get used to the vocals as well. But because of the name of the band and the look of the, the cover, I just feel like the singers in a well juggling like balls, like a jester would. What I mean, okay. So what is it about that that bugs you? Because it's like know. super kind of like nineties looking. Like no, to me it does work or what? To me it doesn't look like '90s stuff. It it, it does kind of like we joked around about juggle something that a juggalo would come up with. That's what that's what it is. Ah, I feel like I should be. What, what what's the what's the cola that they drink all the time? Fago man. Fago, yeah. I feel like I should have a big old <laughs> thing of Fago, grape Fago, and drink cream it. soda Fago. Cream, oh, cream <laughs> soda. Sorry. <laughs> Just Pretty don't soda. drop it on. Just don't drop it on the floor because there'll be ten thousand ants everywhere. Uh, so, but listen, I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm. I'm it, you guys like it. That's 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 what all that matters. And I we like it do. too. If I, if I don't think about the name, so there. <laughs> or the artwork. <laughs> or the, or artwork. the singer in a well juggling right. balls. Right. But the music is killer. Jug- like the- juggling, juggling swords. <laughs> on fire. But maybe, but if that's their thing, maybe how they up their game is that they do that on stage. Now I would pay to see that. You would pay to see them juggling swords on fire. Yes. Plus, Can you imagine the singer? Like the singer's got a mic stand and he's totally like dressed as a jester and he's swinging swords around that are on fire, screaming that bass tones ripping. Yeah, I'd pay to see that. Kicking Fago at the crowd. Yes, kicking Fago, shaking it up and launching it into the ground. Dude, that's a party right there. All right, I'm changing my mind. I like the band. Let's go. (laughs) Boom, we got him. All right, Mick, let's go to yours. All right, all right. So I I was kind of trying to come up with something to review because Wiley dissed my last track. And like, I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta prove myself to Wiley again. And I, then I, I overthought it and like, was what? And then, then Lindsay was like, you should do, you should do the band that we saw. Cause they were really good. So I thought, okay, they're a little more metal core than what we normally do, but Wiley dropped some metal type death metal stuff a couple months ago. So I thought, well, I could bring this one. Yeah. And, and so I brought thought crimes and uh, they're from all one, the, all one word, right? all one word and all lowercase letters. Ah. <laughs> from uh the island that is long long island <laughs> uh, <laughs> the album just dropped last month 826 is when it dropped their own pure noise records and this is 11 tracks of pure metalcore chaos and i think a lot of that chaos comes from the fact that what's the album them, called the album is called why can i not see it altered past there altered past sorry i couldn't read my own handwriting um but yeah i think the reason why it's so chaotic and so crazy is because bill reimer ex uh drummer for dillinger and escape plan ah! is in band. yeah <laughs> yeah and i just found this out tonight too when after i got home i was doing a little bit more research and found out that he also is one of the chief guitar riff writers so not only is he writing guitar riffs, okay. but dude he's playing this all makes sense now okay it makes me. sense. Yeah. 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 Just wait till you hear my notes. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Like it, it, the album is pure chaos and I'm going to be honest. I can't listen to this album straight through 
I have to do it in pieces because of how chaotic it is. It messes with me a little bit. And to me, that's kind of cool because an album that that's crazy, that's good, messes with you enough to where you can't listen to it straight through. Um, you know what album does that for me is Captain Beefheart's Mask Trout Replica. I've never heard of that, but okay, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> but but yeah, it's just, to me, it's almost as if Zeo and Dillager Escape Plan got together, had a baby, and they birthed. I said crimes. that! <laughs> That's in my notes. Uh, it's, it's just kind of, even so there's, there's moments where even the guitar tone and even some of the riffage sounds a little bit like Scott from Zeo. So I, I it was, it was kind of crazy. And then knowing a little bit of the story about how this guy became the drummer for Dillinger. And then knowing that Jeff. Is it the guitar center drum off thing? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the guitar. I don't know if it was quite that. I know that there was kind of like a, a drum kind of thing to practice or comp. I don't know if it was a competition, but it was definitely Jeff from Zeo and this guy both applied for it. So you had two guys that were in close running to be the, you know, the drummer for Dillinger playing the night that I got to see him live. So I don't know. It was crazy. So, you know, they're super tight the drums just explode all the time it's like super tight riffs super tight guitar tone everything's over the top and then all of a sudden it goes to pure chaos on the drums and then it goes into some weird power groove thing and then back into pure chaos I, it it's insane and then on top of that the singer the singer for thought crimes looks exactly like richie from the bear <laughs> oh yeah 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 you texted us that that's funny and uh like I, he could be his twin so the entire time that i'm watching these guys play i'm thinking what kind of asshole puts mustard on a hot dog <laughs> no that's what the, kind of asshole, asshole puts, puts ketchup, ketchup on, on a hot dog. dog that's it that's it sorry i totally messed it up i'm so anyway i was thinking that the entire time uh so yeah i i really dig this i my my the song that I really like is uh, Mirror Glue. That's the song I did quite a bit. I picked that one too. It's because it's pure chaos. That's why. <laughs> really good. Let's drop so, that now. All right.
So there you go. Whew. I'm wow. interested to hear what you guys think because it's a little different than what we normally do. So, <laughs> well, uh, Steve, can I go since? Yeah, good. Since Mick already like, yeah, saw my notes it. in class. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, gives me a Zao meets Dillinger escape plan feel, um, leaning more on the Dillinger side. Yeah, but yeah. I really do like this album. But if you would have told me that Dillinger got back together and made this record in 2022. I would have never questioned it not being a Dillinger record. Right. My right. favorite track, as we said, is Mirror Glue, the one we just listened to. Um, I like that like weird electronic breakdown drum thing and the vocals a ton on the chorus. Yeah. It's heavy and interesting. It's I don't, it's heavy and interesting song. I just I think it's really good. They're a good band. But yeah. honestly, I'd never, ever, ever, never, ever listen to this outside of reviewing this album. But I think they're super talented. And Deathbed Confessions is also a solid track. <laughs> that's a good, that that's is a good track. One too. of my favorites on this album. I was going to say, I like the Dillinger type singing on that track, uh, where the vocals are gnarly and yelly. And I, it's just really good. Yeah. It's good, but this is Dillinger 2.0. So <laughs> I would agree with that. I would agree with that. <laughs> and when you told me it was the dude from Dillinger, I was like, okay. Well, that, see, that's, that kind of gives them the okay to do it then, you know? Right. Right. Like, because if it's the same dude who wrote most of the riffs right. and he's the drummer, like, it only makes sense that it would sound like this, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So it actually makes me like it a little bit more because I don't, they're not really ripping him off. It's right. just how the guy writes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going I'm yeah, to I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw away my notes since you guys used all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, 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 all right. So, I love this album and it's a perfect mix of beauty and chaos. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some moments where I'm like, this is so, so pretty. And then it just goes straight craziness. Like, uh, but it, it's good. It's, it's got a little bit of everything for everyone. Um, mix of all types of genres, you know, alternative, hardcore, metalcore, metal. It's just, it's literally like a little bit of everything. And I love mirror glue, but I also love dying man. Oh, that's a good that, one too. That one, I I kept going back to that out that song. Um, I, I love that you picked this because I think it does throw a little bit of a different um, sound out there that we don't usually cover. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's solid. I'd love to see them live. I, I'm kind of jealous that you get to see them because I think that this stuff would be great live. Um, Long time Dillinger fan here, so you know it, it's right up my alley. But uh, amazing tracks, another great album from this year. So. Go listen to it. I saw yeah. Dillinger in Grand Rapids, Michigan on their last tour with my buddy Brad, who fills in sometimes for two-minute minor playing drums. Mm -hmm. It's one of his favorite bands. And it was insane. Yeah. Like, it's one of his favorite bands. So it was actually right before I moved to Chicago. And so this would have been like eight or nine years ago. The Moved to Chicago the second time. And... um he went up front and I was like, I'm old man, hardcore. I'm staying in the back, dude. There was like six people that got escorted out by security guards because they couldn't walk on their own. Yeah. Wow. Like it was crazy. It's the guitar player was like, yeah, the guitar player was like up on the amp. The singer was like walking on people. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just, I had never seen a spectacle like that. Right. Crazy band. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wiley, what you got? 
what I got is so glow. <laughs> so glow. <laughs> so the album is Diaspora Problems. Did I say that word right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes. Diaspora. <laughs> I, don't how, I don't know how to say it. So I'd never, I, I had never heard that word before. Diaspora, right? So I went yeah. and looked it up. Anyways, <laughs> it's that's the name of the album, Diaspora Problems, March 2022. It came out. It's 12 tracks. John Jay is a great track. I love how fast and energetic it is out of the gate. Bass tone is gross and beautiful, yes. all wound together in one wonderful sounding track. I love it. Uh, I just I like the hectic nature of this band. They throw the kitchen the kitchen sink at you. Yes. Like you know how you said Thought Crimes was uh had a lot going on. I thought this had way more going on. Yes. Um, I'm a huge fan of the high straining vocals. I went and watched the live Hate Five Six show of them, and I thought it was amazing. Yes. Super solid live. Bass players on fire live. Um, in my opinion, the music is super thought out and very different. And live, it has kind of like a jam band feel at times, like more than the record. And if you see the bass player and the drummer, it makes total sense. Have, did you see these guys? Yeah, yes. live. Yes. Yeah, it was so awesome. It's <laughs> great. But it, I mean, but it's not a jam band at all. Like that's not giving it true justice. Like it just has those vibes, and the bass player and drummer are like super locked in. It probably didn't help that they were both wearing tie dye t shirts, but uh, <laughs> 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 it just kind of it takes it takes that element really that jam element almost yeah. like freestyle singing at times also right super hook i love like the hip-hop songs and the and the different parts it really reminds me of bad brains came out in 2022 right there it is yep because bad brains mixed hardcore and reggae songs right Right. well i i should say they more had hardcore and reggae songs on the same record right um and so i think they're if bad brains was to put themselves together in 2022, that's what it would sound like. Um, I have to say thumb sucker is my jam. I like the energy and the riff a ton. So let's drop thumb sucker. Now. Boom.
Yes. Mick, Steven, (laughs) I love this energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the energy that they capture on their recording, too. Yes. Yep. It's so good. Um, Real quick, though, uh, worthy mention also is spiritual level of gang shit. Yes. Yes. It's a great song packed with a lot of different turns musically. It starts out with like a little bass jam riff into a hip hop track, into a hardcore jam, right into like this super awesome sing along with horns. I when that song, I think that's the last song on the record. And when that comes on, I hit repeat on it like three times. Yeah, like, this yeah, is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the last song on it's the last song on the album. It's so good. Listen, I I dig this album a lot too, and I know you you were like, I really want to know what you think about this. I think you were worried that I wouldn't like it, but dude, I love it, and I I felt like it was if Bad Brains came out in like 2022. I actually felt like it was Bad Brains uh, versus thrash death metal uh, versus hip hop overtones versus turnstile, like because there's sometimes there's a little bit of guitar tone and and I don't know some other craziness that reminded me of turnstile, but. I think uh, these guys probably played shows together at one point, I think in the past. So I think there was a lot of like, uh, I don't know, but there's it, it, a lot of crossover stuff going on. I loved it. I love the angst. I love the passion. I love the message. And sometimes it's, it's hilarious. It's funny. Like I caught myself when something was said or, or, or a riff happened and I laughed and it was, who's going to beat my ass. Yes. I just, it was, it was, it, and it wasn't because it was cheesy. It was because it was awesome. I was like, yes. And it just cracked me up. Uh, the social commentary throughout the whole thing, you know, yeah. and, I, and I went through and read like some other stuff. Like I wanted to hear what other people were saying. And I, I can't find a negative review for this album. Like everybody, everybody really like critically loves this album. And it's, it's crazy to know that they spent like a lot of time in an empty warehouse writing this. Did you read any of this? They spent time in an no. empty warehouse writing this. And that's why the drums are so freaking huge because they recorded the drums and got that natural reverb, that natural tone from a big empty room. And so like, and the hottest part of summer 2021 is when they wrote this and they went right back to that empty warehouse where they wrote those songs. So I think that's crazy. They recorded in this big, empty, huge warehouse. And that's why there's moments when this song is huge. And they wrote and recorded in there. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We all froze. No, I was did, just going to say. Did we actually freeze or did we just silence? Get quiet? No, we all got yeah. silent. We all got silent. No, I was just going to say, I'm going to put a link to that article in the show notes because it was that, that, that article about them recording was that interesting. So for all the recording yeah. nerds. I'm going to say something that's probably not popular, but I think the more I, I listened to this album, I think four times all the way through. And I probably listened to that last track. Um, spiritual level of gang shit probably like eight or nine different times i think this is a better written record than the turnstile record i i'm i i'm going to be honest too i i the more i listen to this the more i feel that way too because this to me like i love the turnstile album uh and i love it i like it too yeah and i love it because it is kind of produced really well but I, this one I like more because of how raw it is and how just, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I mean, the rawness is crazy. I, I guess I don't know. It should have. <laughs> it should have. Like, I, I just know from the stuff that I was reading, like other people digging it, like, and critiquing it, it it's been critically acclaimed, but I don't think it's had the level yeah. that Turnstile got 
I think just because Turnstall is more produced and could get in places that these guys couldn't because of maybe their commentary and what they say. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. hundred so. percent. So they're more punk than turnstile. How about that? Oh shit. <laughs> just, I'm being dumb. Steven, I mean, what'd you I, think, man? No, so, so I love it. It's it's Philly hardcore punk. Um, I love the the lyrist and the the vocalist because at some point it's, it's almost like he's oh, just Philly. Like That's he's why it's talk. good. You know what I mean? Like no, he's just he's talking and then he he throws in a rah like a, at the end of like a sentence and then he's he's rapping and it's just it's like it's chaos like just like you said it's complete chaos but it's awesomeness and it's so different than everything else right now um that i love it it, it just it, i love the the jump or get jumped by the future that track yeah. and then yeah. i like the one right after it Dripponomics, the the rap song because <laughs> yes. i'm i love i love that shit like it's good stuff in and I think it should get every everything that I've seen online. It gets a ton of attention yeah. that, that's really positive, um, especially by musicians. I'll, I'll say yeah. that because, uh, you know, they they see what they're doing and they're giving them all the, the props because they, they did a great job. But it, like Mick said, it, it's not getting the, the national attention, I guess you'd say, because it's not the um, the package that turnstile is um, overproduced. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but hey. Not knocking that turnstile record. That's a good record no. too. Oh no, 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 not at all. Yeah, no. I love, I love that turnstile record. And and this one, I'll, I'll, I'll even put it as this could be contender for album of the year. Um, oh yeah, it, okay. it's that, it's okay. that good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's that, it's that different. It brings a whole bunch of different um, music to the the table, and um, I love it. I love the, the Spotify <laughs> watching them play. Um, and it's well the songs are playing i just think it's it's pretty funny but it's good stuff so oh, you already picked your you already picked your album of the year by the way i know so, so, I, this, so this, go this, so go away <laughs> just gonna say like he's this is like his third album of the year so why why is this a contender i'm gonna ask you or is this a contender for album of the year for me yes no okay all right that's what i wanted to know all right i i really like it but I would say that it's it's all over the place. And so I don't think I would be able to put it on. Like, it's nothing I would put in my car and listen to all the time. I really respect it. And like, I think Steven nailed it. Like, the musicianship is amazing. It's an album for musicians. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons why that Turnstile record is is so big is because that's an album for listeners. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're showing off how good they are at transitions in this soul glow record. And they're showing off like all the different stuff that they can do. And they're brilliant at it, but I would say it probably is more of like a musician's record. And that's why it's so good. Um, yeah. But I don't know if it's a listener's record, be just because of how like, um, what's the, what, what am I thinking of? Like, how it's jarring kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. it doesn't flow together uh, peacefully, I guess it's uh, it's, it's, it's very violent in how it scrolls through. I know I'm sounding like an idiot. It's very like violent in how it scrolls through its tracks, I think. And so that's why I don't think it's getting the attention that the national attention, but yeah. no, not for, no, it's not a record of the year for me, but I think like 
the more and more they make records and the more they smooth out their transitions and smooth out their, their track listings, I think this band's going to be unstoppable in a few years. Yeah, yep. I agree. Yep. I agree. I can see that. Um, but I don't also just pick any record for my albums of the year. Like some people on this podcast do <laughs> listen, I only get to review 12 <laughs> albums. All right. I have more than 12. albums of the year. I mean, yeah. You That's get to true, pick but three. <laughs> you get to pick three. I think though, this is the first time that we, uh, are all three are going to pick album of the year, right? I think so. Yep. Yep. Albums of the year. So I think so far we already have an album of the year that is number one that all three of us picked. Yeah. What is that? I can't. Moral moral law. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Moral law. Yeah. That'll probably be on there for me. I'm going to say all all three of us liked it. So if that's, I mean, that's on mine for sure. I don't yeah. know if it's on Stevens. It's going to be on yours. That's yeah. the only one that I have nailed down so far out of my three. So if we all pick it, then that's going to be pro. If all three yeah. of us have it, it's probably going to be the album of the year. That could be it's like all on out- Stevens' shoulders. <laughs> 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 so so far, it's but, uh, it's um we can make it like the album album of the year. <laughs> album 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 album. Cool. Album, album, album. Well, let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, let's move on to the next segment, shall we? Yeah, let's go, Ben. Sweet. Let's go. The more you know. Hardcore podcast. Unfortunately, Mick and Steven, the Hardcore Encyclopedia, could not join us today. So I have a very special guest from the Frisky Morris podcast, Steven DeFelco. So, uh, Steven, why don't you uh, steer this ship for us? Be, be my captain, if you will. Yeah, thanks You'll so much. You'll take that, will you? I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I know Steven uh, is from Boston and I'm from Chicago. So it'll be a little bit different of an accent, but if you just imagine in your mind that I have a Boston accent, I'll, I'll make the transition easier for your listeners. <laughs> Man, I'm so, I'm so intrigued with this hardcore encyclopedia guy. <laughs> yeah. That oh, he knows, ev- he knows everything about hardcore. It'll just be a reason to come back for a part two so that you can, you can quiz the encyclopedia and stump them. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. I, I know everything about hardcore too. <laughs> yeah, me and, that, me and that guy get along great. Yeah, it's almost like awesome. at a certain point you are hardcore. I mean, we talk about yes. Well, let's, I agree. Let's, 
let's introduce this. So we are very honored and grateful uh, to have Purcell on the podcast, Youth of Today, Judge, Shelter, Project X, Bold, New Band, still TBD on the name. Uh, it looks like we're it, look, it looks like we're gonna go with values here after that Dag Nasty song. Oh, I like that. Values here. Yeah, I like it too. Nice. And then uh because I know earlier podcast this year, it's like every couple months you're like, Oh yeah, we got the six songs done, we're gonna do the seven, and then you're like and then uh you had the youth of today tour going on. So uh just briefly, uh now that we have a name to the project. Uh, do you want to give listeners who have been following your other interviews a uh, update on the recording process for that first record? Well, I was I was really trying to finish it before I left for that tour. I was gone like even before that tour. I did a yoga retreat in Italy in Tuscany, and then after the tour, I took a vacation on a Greek island. So I was gone for like over a month. So I was working so hard to finish the recording before I left, but it just didn't happen. So it kind of got pushed back a month, unfortunately, but we're on our last song. So it should be done. It should be done pretty quick. We're um, shopping around to labels right now. So I'm not exactly sure what label it's going to be on, but we have some interest and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be cool. Whole new band. Yeah. Do you feel with like new projects like that being who you are, is there this level of kind of like nerves where you're like, Oh man, I don't want this to be the band that people are like, oh, it's Purcell's band. Like, it's a new one. It's going to be awesome. Like, do you ever feel that there's like any project you do, there's that level of like, you have to meet your audience's like expectations? Or are you just like, you know what? I'm making this music for me. I have a message I need to get out. And people are either going to accept it or not accept it. Uh, you know, it's for, for a totally new band. I don't feel that pressure. I felt immense pressure immense pressure when we were talking about doing like some new judge songs mm. and oh, I was sure, like yeah. and I'm sitting down and I'm like trying to write songs and it's like it's such a fine line between staying true to you know that judge sound that everybody knows and loves and kind of trying to bring it into like a modern context with a bunch of guys who are like way older and it was it was like a weight around my neck and it was super hard to do. I mean, I think there is a way to, I actually, um, and I think the whole band felt that way too, because I wrote some songs and I sent them to Mike. And one song I thought was freaking great. I was like, this is the best song that I've ever goddamn written in my freaking life. And That's Mike saying like, something. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mike was like, I don't know. I think it's too metal. You know, oh, because no. I, I think we're all just kind of a little mental and like it, it's it, it's a it's a hard thing to navigate you know what i mean because it has to be perfect right almost it has to be perfect we have a whole legacy to kind of live up to yet we still yeah. don't want to just be i don't want to write the new york crew ep part two you know i'm just mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm not like 19 years old anymore and i'm a way better guitar player now and so I would like to take all those tools and 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 use them to make something really incredible. But you know, it's such a it, it's such a fine line, and it's it it was. I really kind of felt the pressure on that one. But for this new band, I don't really care. It's a fresh new band. It's got a girl singer. It's super melodic. You know, it's punk, but 
I always liked melodic stuff. You know, I grew up listening to like, you know, the Ramones, the Clash, the Stiff Little Fingers, you know, all that kind of stuff was punk, but the singers were actually singing. Like if you took Stiff mm -hmm. Little Fingers now, they'd probably be like, you know, the number two record after Machine Gun Kelly. You know what I mean? <laughs> back then yeah. it's back then it sounded crazy because it had like super distorted guitars, but it's you know, it's things like the Buzzcocks. It's actually pretty almost pop sounding stuff with heavy guitars. So I really, you know, I, I love that stuff too. And um, so, you know, with the whole new band, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, you know, bother me that much. I kind of yeah. just, I feel like I, I can do whatever I want, which is right. sort of cool. And that was, cause that was the other thing I was going to jump around in my notes a little bit since we're talking about, you know, writing new music for these iconic bands you know, when Youth of Today and Judge reformed, I mean, as people, you're different people. Like you're saying your talents are, you're not the kid that was learning every Ramon song and then quitting guitar lessons because you've mastered the Ramones discography. Like, was there any conversations when those projects were reforming on, hey, you know, it's, it's this balance of some of, the songs in those catalogs are timeless and there's been other interviews you've been in that songs you wrote in the 80s still apply today but then there's that other side of the coin where you're saying you know I'm a better guitar I'm better guitarist better musician have you know different interests and family and things like that you know how does that how do those conversations arise and how did those unfold when you were rejoining those well, there was some talk about maybe doing some new Youth of the Day songs. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, no way. No way in a good way or no, no way at all? No way were we ever going to do new Youth of the Day material, at least in my mind, because I really felt that Youth of Today was sort of this phenomenon that happened in a moment in time. And it was like lightning in a bottle and it can't be recreated. It was a bunch of crazy, energetic you know 19 year olds on some kind of straight edge mission to you know bring straight edge around the world you know in a in a place where straight edge wasn't big so there was all this confrontation and that just can't and that's what youth today was you know and it was at a time when hardcore was dead and we were trying to bring back hardcore like you can't recreate that it was a certain moment in time that really made youth of today so great and so I don't want to mess with that. And, you know, another thing mm -hmm. about Youth Today is like, I think our catalog is pretty spotless. Like, I love every single record we did. And I would hate to put out a record that wasn't really sounding like, you know, it's not going to sound like Youth Today. Because what yeah. made Youth Today was we were a bunch of nutty, probably should have been on Ritalin, you know, 18, <laughs> 19 year old kids with so much energy, we didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, whatever, now we're like, we're older, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to ever, ever recreate that. And it's almost like the beauty of it. It was a bunch of young kids on a straight edge mission trying to push, you know, positive hardcore on a scene that was super nihilistic and negative. Yeah. And, you know, luckily we recorded and it kind of caught that moment in time. And I appreciate that people still like those songs. I'd love to go on tour. I'd love to play all those old songs. I think those old songs 
the, the, the messages of those songs almost resonates with me more now than ever. You know, positive living and, um, you know, all those messages that we put out, even like break down the walls, you know, not being not being proud of the labels that you put on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's almost like those messages are timeless. And I think the cool thing about youth of today is we always have a new audience because when even today, even today, 2022, if you're like a 16 year old kid. And you're getting into straight edge hardcore. Hey, I want, I want to get into straight edge hardcore. Some dude, I don't know. We used to give tapes or we used to like do seat, you know, you burn a CD. Now it's probably like, let me make you a Spotify playlist. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you'll, e- and then you'll like email it to him or text her to him or something. And it's like, yeah. if you're going to make a Spotify playlist for a kid that wants to get into straight edge, it's going to have youth today on it. Yeah. Yes. It's gonna have 100%. minor threat. It's gonna have youth today. It's probably gonna have judge. It's gonna have gorilla seven biscuits. seconds. Seven seconds. So we get a whole new crowd of young kids that's always into the band. And so it's really cool. Like youth today will play. It'll be fifty year old dudes with you know beards, you know salt and pepper beards, and it'll be like you know sixteen year old kids just like coming up moshing their heads off. Is that how it was with this uh, summer European tour? Did you see that multi-generational audience? For sure. That's that's really cool. Um, You know, we did that European tour and, you know, we hadn't played in years. We hadn't toured since the pandemic. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And it was incredible. It was like nice. used to th- it was like being in like 1988 again. You know, we play the shows. It was overpacked. You know, it would be like a <laughs> tiny club packed with like you know three times the amount of people that the fire department would ever allow in that club. People hanging off rafters, yeah. <laughs> you know, people sing along to every song. It was That's really, great. really, really cool. Um, uh, well, one one thing I did want to get back to with the Youth of Today record is. Like that would de- that could definitely be a money grab for you guys. Though. You can make tons of money. So it's it's really cool that you recognize that you would kind of be soiling the legacy of youth of today. And so Fred, I think me, that means that means a lot. Let, let me stop you right there. There <laughs> is no money grab in hardcore. I'm at the I'm at the upper <laughs> echelon of people making money at hardcore. And let me tell you, there's no money in it. Well, you know what I'm saying. You could probably make more money off your podcast than you could (laughs) doing a hardcore band. Trust me. So what? So you were mentioning writing new, potentially writing new stuff for Judge. What do you think was the difference then between Judge and Youth of Today that opened the door a little bit more for potential Judge stuff? Well, Judge was a little bit more of a musical band, like. especially you know with bringing it down and that you know that um there will be quiet ep i felt like i could throw in a little bit more kind of like metal influences and heavier influences and so there was sort of like a broader palette to work on to work with and i almost thought the same thing about doing new judge songs i was like i don't know if we're going to be able to recreate it but the thing that made me kind of curious to try to do new songs is like you know we would go on those tours and Mike's voice is is better than ever. Like that dude, I don't know what it is. The country yeah. air. He just opens his mouth and like this roar comes out of it. 
and it's just incredible. Like that dude's like he, his scream and his singing and his growl, it hasn't diminished one bit. As, as a matter of fact, I think it's actually gotten like even, even better. A fine and wine is aged with time. Yeah. Yeah. He can really belt out those songs and scream like, you know, he, like he did when he was like 19 years old, which is pretty incredible. So yeah, that, you know, that kind of like, made me curious like god you know with his voice still like booming if we could write some really good songs we could probably put out some songs and and it would be pretty awesome um so even though i was a little hesitant we tried it we may still try it again but you know like i said there was a lot of pressure on it although i think we probably will do some new shelter material because i think shelter was so was such an eclectic weird sounding band you know, let's face it, Youth of Today had a certain sound and it was kind of a limited thing. And that was almost the beauty of it because we weren't trying to be anything else than a hardcore band because we loved hardcore so much. But Shelter was such a, like, if you listen to those Shelter records, I mean, the music is so all over the place that it's actually kind of cool because we could write a new record and make some real kind of weird sounding kind of and, and the band was was pretty melodic too because you know ray can actually sing yeah. and um it's almost like uh you, you know i don't feel as limited as i would trying to like pound out a youth today record although i can write i could write hardcore songs all day long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i should that... actually do a new hardcore man because yeah well you are doing a new the the melodic hardcore values here but i think one thing too is i'm talking when, about super thrash oh super of, thrash scream, i remember screamy. one of my first like bigger hardcore shows was i went to see agnostic front like i'm in the southwest suburbs by midway of chicago and it was agnostic front and then we're looking at the bill and we're just like who's this band municipal waste like i guess oh, they're nice. playing with agnostic front <laughs> And that's when I first saw that thread between like hardcore and thrash and kind of that like, oh, this is that metal bridge of like how seamlessly this can meld everything together in this like Venn diagram of genres. But, oh man, it was, that was a definitely wild show. <laughs> um, but, did, you go, did you go to that Judge show that we played in Chicago? Maybe I, I like did. Five I did. years ago? I did. Yeah, you played with Chew. Which I thought was weird that Judge was playing with Chew, but what's Chew? It's a band. Yeah, what is this? What did it stand for? Uh, I forget. Oh gosh, cocaine, heroin, <laughs> ecstasy, and weed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is really weird that Judge is playing with Chew, but that's cool. I mean, that's they a, like they have a girl singer band, also. My man Turbo Vamps. When we were playing, we opened up for Slapshot, and it was just like street punk oi bands playing with straight edge hardcore bands. And we definitely were like, okay, so we know I was at that show too. <laughs> we know who the beer is for in the green room, and we know who like the fancy like sodas and waters are. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. it. You know, Purcell, you've talked about so much of that blending of like punks and skins and that whole you know, sense of community that I feel now so many kids are so fortunate that now everything is so accepting. Like you, you've talked about, you know, I'm trying to remember the podcast where 
you were outside of a show just getting stomped and someone <laughs> yeah. from like a, a bouncer that you played another venue with had to like literally pull you inside the venue where nowadays I feel at least in person, I can't speak for the virtual world, but in person at shows, I feel people are much more, you know, accepting, accommodating of, you know, who you are and what you're into and, you know, what you're fighting for. So I think all of that stuff is such, do you ever like look back at like, kind of like the European show and the tours and being like, you helped create that platform of, you know, accepting and people being able to like, not get run out of a venue like you did is there ever that like light bulb moment while you're on stage looking out at those people well i will say this it's not the utopia out there that you think there's still plenty of fights yeah (laughs) there's still plenty of sketchy clubs and sketchy neighborhoods and like sketchy stuff happening so um but um i i totally get what you're saying you know it's really cool like when you go to shows now First of all, you go to, you know, we just did this tour in Europe. You, you know, you go to, and you know, for most, for the most part, we're just playing. The, you know, we played some some big some bigger festivals, but most of the shows were just, you know, regular club shows, and we played mm-hmm. with that other straight edge band, uh, the Change. You know them? Oh, Change. Change. Yeah, we had them on the we had them on the podcast. They're formerly of Champion. Yeah. That guy yeah. around from Champion. Yeah, they were great. You know, so all these shows are they're like hardcore shows. And you know, you go to the shows now, and first thing you notice is there's so many more girls. You know, the, back in the day, it was such a, you know, I guess it was such a dangerous thing that girls didn't really go. And it's kind of yeah. cool to see that, you know, there's girls there and you know, there's all different kinds of people there. And it's not such a limited thing to just a bunch of like mosh heads anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I well, think there's a lot more girls fronting and being in hardcore bands too, which I think is awesome. I, there's a there's a whole huge genre kind of coming out of these harder bands with girls things like Scowl and, yep, and, Scowl and bands like that are that are getting really positive uh, that are getting really popular that I think is is super cool. So yeah, it is it it is by and large way more accepting. It's what you know, and it's cool that all different kinds of bands can play, you know, you can have, just like you were saying, you can have a street punk band playing with a straight edge band and playing with this kind of band and playing with this kind of like very metal sounding mosh band. And it's all, it's all punk, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and any, any person that's into energetic, you know, left of the dial sort of um, mosh-tastic music can go to a show and, you know, they'll, they'll appreciate all the bands. And I was always kind of like that too. You know, I wasn't, People used to be really like I put out that revelation. Revelation asked me to do a Spotify playlist, and I'm sure people were were guessing that oh, Purcell's Spotify playlist is gonna be Gorilla Biscuits, Side by Side, Uniform Choice, <laughs> yeah. Negative Approach, Minor Threat, The Bad yeah. Raids, Agnostic Front. It's going to be that like noisy American hardcore, like mini doc just in Spotify playlist form. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know, the, the music that I really love and like listen to, you know, it's, it's like old punk that, you know, I got into punk when I was very young. I got into punk when I was probably like 11, 12 years old. And so I loved, 
all the old bands. I loved like the adverts and the buzzcocks and uh, the damned. And like I said, stiff little fingers and the clash and the sex pistols and the dickies and, you know, all that. So, you know, so I, I, I put a lot of that old stuff on my Spotify playlist and I got such a great response to it. Like people are like, well, for A, people were saying, I was expecting it to be some kind of like moshtastic thing. And <laughs> when I saw all these, I saw these songs and bands that I never even heard of before. And then I listened to it and I thought all this stuff was like really cool. You know, I had the Avengers on there and, you know, Iggy and the Stooges and, you know, just stuff that, you know, I grew up with that's always stayed with me that I, I always really liked. So, you know, I was never just purely into, I believe me, I, I always loved hardcore and I love primitive hardcore and I love just like, you know, thrash part, thrash part, mosh part, thrash part, you know, kind of stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I was the type of kid that, you know, used to stage dive every single band when I went to a show. So I love that stuff. Yeah. But, I, but in I, an interview, I remember you saying like you were a Toasters fan and I just imagine like a young Purcell, like skanking around to, to two-tone. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I love way before the Toasters, I was super into, you know, the specials, the selector madness, you know, all that, madness. all that, <laughs> all that original, like black and white Scott, you know, I loved mm -hmm. all that stuff when I was like 13. And, you know, even everybody in youth of today has a very eclectic musical taste like that. So I, you know, I love it that it's not so pigeonholed anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like it's opened up and, and, you know, people can, you know, it, it's cool to be an appreciator of all different kinds of music that kind of falls under this banner of punk, which is, you know, a really kind of diverse, you know, uh, bunch of music out there it's not just you know it's not just you know paint by the numbers hardcore yeah although there's nothing wrong with paint by the numbers <laughs> hey, hardcore i love it tried and true <laughs> yeah and it's funny you say paint by numbers because one thing as with your career as a freelance graphic designer i wanted to talk to you about you know you mentioned the it's no longer the mixtapes and the burn cds and the all the exchanging of physical copies of music it's all spotify playlists and stuff as someone who's a graphic designer and kind of appreciates the art side like on the true tool death website where there's the mini interview with you you're like don't just create an image create a mood and i feel like especially punk and hardcore there's such a connection between the art with the music uh how do you feel kind of like bands now like with that spotify era of the artwork isn't really, you know, people are still putting out vinyls and things like that. But, you know, I feel there's a little bit of that loss that when I was growing up, I would find bands because of the artwork when I was in the record store. So I, I didn't know what your take was on, you know, having that interest in art as a graphic designer, how you see that relationship between art and music. Yeah, 100% that's been lost. And Although I think bands do a pretty good job nowadays of figuring out other ways to convey their personal style and their look. And like I said, like their mood, you know, usually they'll do it with like Instagram or they'll do it how they dress. It's no longer, you know, it used to be the record cover and the insert. And it was really cool putting that stuff together because 
you know, like I said, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like a record cover. Like you were creating, you were creating your own, for, you know, for, you know, we didn't know about it back then, but you know, it was marketing and it was branding. Like you were, your band was creating a brand that was bigger than the band. Yeah. You know, even, exactly. if, even if you look at like youth today, we didn't know it at the time. We were just dressing like we dressed and we, you know, we put out, you know, we made the records look like, you know, just how we liked them to look. But we were sort of creating this whole kind of like, quote unquote, youth crew thing that, you know, was a branding that was even bigger than the band. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, you know, that and it was all through artwork and stuff like that of, of the album covers and, and, and later on with the CDs. And that's definitely been lost. Although I think. You well, you still see that stuff on Spotify. They still have to have album covers and on the T-shirts and merch and stuff, right? Yeah, but it's not like you get that, you know, gatefold LP and it's got right, the lyric right. sheet and, you know, and, you know, back then bands used to put a lot, you know, we had, um, we had that um, guy, Alex Brown, who was in Gorilla Biscuits. He also mm -hmm. played in Side by Side. He was going to, uh, you know, he was, he was a graphic designer, you know, back even before Photoshop. And so he did like the Judge EP cover. He did, you know, the Gorilla Biscuits, you know, put together all that stuff. And he really had this idea that, okay, we have this kind of thing that's happening in New York. This New York hardcore is getting like really popular. I want to give a look to this whole kind of movement that's happening in New York because I want to make it something special that's, that's you know, kind of captures what's going on in this scene. So he kind of created this this look, which later on became like the revelation kind of look or the youth crew look or the, you know, the straight edge hardcore look. And that's going on even today. You yeah. know, you know yeah, some straight edge band sure. that we play with will give me the cover and it looks like Al Brown designed it in <laughs> yeah. 1988. You know what right. I mean? And I, I think that's I, I think that's cool to come up to, you know, to come up with your own thing and your own look. I think people do it a lot these days with t-shirts you know because the last thing that you have like businessmen have figured out a way to steal every single dime of your music it's unbelievable it's unbelievable like back in the day you know you'd put out a cd and you know cds were expensive like cds were like 15 20 bucks you know how much the band would make the band would make a buck wow and from, and from that buck that you made you had to pay back the recording costs. You had to pay back the video costs. You had to pay back any kind of like, you know, whatever the record label kind of money that fronted you out of that dollar. And then whatever was left over, you had to split that's, that that's dollar crazy. with the guys in the band. So you didn't even yeah. make a dollar. You personally made a quarter. Yeah. Even, well, yeah. The record yeah. label is making $17 off of every CD. Like it was. <laughs> so just, they're basically Spotify does the same thing now, right? It's just same thing all over again. Spotify's way worse. Spotify yeah. is way, way, way worse. Even big bands like, you know, bands like the Misfits who are getting like millions of plays are making such, they're making like a few hundred dollars from Spotify. Meanwhile, the owner for Spotify is now a billionaire. Yeah. You know, he's worth like, you know, whatever, $10 billion. And I was just like, fuck, man. Some some asshole businessman figured out a way, you know, because there's a there there's there's just certain like, you know, there's left brain and then there's right brain. Like musicians are very creative. We're artistic. 
we're musical, but we don't have like a business brain. That's like a whole different kind of brain, yeah. you know? You know, so it's been people with that, like whatever that right, that left brain exploiting the people with the right brain. And it's been going on forever, you yeah. know? So it's, yeah. it's gotten to the point where you make zero, you, you, you make pennies on your music these days. You got to figure out other ways to make music. Uh, to make money you know from your music and you know one of the ways that people do it is with merchandise so i think um the way people convey their look and their style and kind of like personalize it you know their uh you know trying to set apart their band if they do it through kind of really cool merch yeah. and I've, I've noticed that bands have like super up their merch game and there's really creative, cool, artistic merch these days because I think that's that's just because it's just like their creative outlet has gone from their record cover now to their T-shirt just out of practical reasons. And so you see really good merch these days, which is super cool. Yeah, it just fills up my closet for sure. But I want to support everyone in every avenue that I can. <laughs> but and I, I will, know, and I will I... say, I, I will say this to, to to new bands out there create a look with your shirts. Like, don't just put all these random designs up with the name of your band. First of all, figure out how you want the, how you, how you want to write the name of the band and brand it. You know, you today was cool because we had that fist. It wasn't like, yeah. we were, it wasn't it like, became we iconic. Like, it wasn't like we had a marketing team that was like, you got to come up with something like the Nike swoosh that people yeah. are going to get tattooed on them and blah, blah, blah. It's just like- We focus grouped all these people and they were really receptive to the hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just um, just out of kind of whatever sheer coincidence, we had the fist and it became iconic and the Judge Hammers became iconic and the Gorilla Biscuits Gorilla became iconic. But- um, you know, I think like now, I think bands have to start thinking like that. How can we yeah. make the look and the logo and everything of our band something that's like instantly recognizable, iconic, tattooable? <laughs> yeah. Know? And I think it goes to your thing, too, of like the composition of the band, you know, with that left brain, right brain. I know like Wiley and I will joke around a lot that in our bands, we ended up being like the band dad where we were the ones that were thinking of that branding and like, you know, we have to be our own creative team as well as our own marketing team, our own advocates, like all of this stuff. And I feel like it's really important too, where if all, if, if the band is all creatives all in the clouds, like there has to be the one grounding person or a few people that are like, we also nowadays have to look at the band this way as well, which is, you know, nah, <laughs> it's a little, Hit or miss, yeah. but yeah, that is true. Um, none of the guys in youth today, we're all super creative people. And Sammy, our drummer, is like a super businessman. He takes care <laughs> of all the businesses, organizes the tours, like he does all that stuff that you know that it's not like we don't want to do it, we don't have the disposition for it. You know yeah. what I mean? We're yeah. we're just different kind of people, and it's it, it's kind of cool. When you see people with different dispositions kind of coming together and working together on something instead of some kind of like businessman coming over and just being like, how can I make money off of these, these dumbasses creative endeavors? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, um, and it's always refreshing to see people, you know, with a little integrity 
you know, you know, creating a business model that's actually fair to, um, you know, artists and, and musicians, um, which is rare these days. talking about um, kind of like roles and relationships in the band. And I just wanted to talk personally about the relationship between uh, you and Capo. Like I first with, honestly, with the whole Hare Krishna stuff, I think like the John Joseph stuff was when I first found out about it. And then Capo was on a podcast called the Rich Roll Podcast that I listened yeah. to religiously and Great. He, John John was on that too. Yeah. JJ. And then he like laid out, I don't know, he said he was working on a book. I don't know if the book's materialized, but the six principles uh from the like child prodigy in like the 1400s with like the stop criticizing and being tolerant and he was like I'm going to do something with these six pillars um from the teachings uh but you know, I recently I I never felt like to claim straight edge but i'm completely sober right now have been for the past four years and mm -hmm. like wiley uh has been straight edge for a while and i feel like you know with hardcore with straight edge all of these like onion layers of subculture um there's always this sense of like knowing your tribe and like being like having that support network and i feel like in my own personal like sobriety journey, like having someone like Wiley who's been there before, who I can like really be real with on, these are my concerns, these are my fears, these are my worries. And, you know, him having gone through a similar situation, you know, I did with you and Capo, you know, being in a band together, like both being in like the monk uh, in India together, like having that person in your inner circle that kind of like quote unquote just got it and went on this journey with you you know how important was that to your path and your journey and finding and discovering this stuff versus just going it alone you know i tell you you know for me being into all this christian stuff you know i think that life is eternal life isn't something you know you know, the, the, the person that, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that says, um, you don't believe in reincarnation, you're reincarnating in this lifetime. Like, you know, <laughs> once you were yeah, a little kid, you know, then you were like a teenager, then you're a young man, then you're like a middle-aged man, then you're like an old man, like you're changing bodies in this lifetime, but you're Isn't still- Isn't there an illustration of that too? Yeah, there is. There's, a, there's paintings very, and sculptures. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a Krishna illustration, right? Yeah, it's, and it's thought-provoking to think like I'm a unit of consciousness. You know, I'm a personality. Like I'm a person that's kind of inside of this body that's constantly changing. Why would I? Why is it so far-fetched to think that when this body 
dies, that that same unit of consciousness isn't going to go into like another body. Like we've already changed bodies in this lifetime. So um, I really believe that me and Ray Kappa, we must have been brothers in a past life. I don't know what it is, but um, I, I really feel like when me and him met, it sort of um, it sort of set off a different karma in my life. Like, you know, I remember I, I saw this um, this one documentary. You know, I love the Smiths, so there's a documentary about the Smiths, and. Um, you know, so Morrissey puts this ad in, you know, the paper, you know, wants to start a band looking for a guitar player. Johnny Marr answers the ad. I think he sent him a letter or something, a phone call, or, you know, and then he goes over to Johnny Marr's house. And from that moment on, both their lives are inextricably changed and their journey changes and like everything, you know, everything starts to happen. It's almost like that. It's, you know, I met I, I met Ray Capo, and then there was some kind of like karmic destiny that I just felt started to unfold, and it, it was really it it was weird. Like I met this guy, we almost like immediately started this band, and then my life you know my life trajectory at that point was I grew up in a really kind of like rich part of suburban New York. You know, every kid in my school had like a, you know, fancy car in the parking lot. It's all like, you know, Mercedes and you know, BMWs and stuff. And every kid, like my school was just one of those schools where you were about to be fast tracked to material success. Mm -hmm. Like all my friends became doctors and lawyers and, you know, CEOs and politicians. And like, that was my path. And then I met this guy and my path went this way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that it did because, you know, I've had, a, you know, a, a very extraordinary life, you know, you know, getting into music. But I feel like, you know, we were just kind of you know, somehow or other, we were karmically tied together to do certain things in this world. And it's funny because even if we wanted to get rid of each other, we just can't seem to do it. And we're just kind of like, even like, you know, I just talked to him last night. Like we, we had like a big talk on the phone. It's just like somehow or other, karmically, we're just connected in this lifetime. We probably will be in the next lifetime too. And it's just, it's a weird thing that's beyond both of us. It, it yeah. has to do with, it has to do with destiny and, you know, like I said, karma and, you know, the unfolding of, of both of our paths and somehow or other it was, you know, we were meant to do this stuff together and, and the, you know, we couldn't have done what we did just by ourselves. And that's kind of like a, you know, that's kind of like the great thing of, you know, community and finding your tribe and finding your people and finding the people that you work with and finding the people that you, um, you know, have chemistry with, because you can do way greater things with other people than you could ever do by yourself. And that's almost like, you know, if you look at any band, you know, what makes the band great is the people in that band and the chemistry between the people in that band and what each like person brings together is sort of like you know putting together one of those like marvel superhero teams yeah. you know each each one has something that they bring to the table and then you create something that's way bigger and better than any of those people could create in their own yeah. and so uh 
you know, Ray Kappel was just one of those people that I met and we just were on like a super mission from, I don't know where it came from. (laughs) You know, we were just on a mission. We're going to make, we're going to like, you know, make this world a better place. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was just kind of like, I guess all young people are sort of idealistic like that, but we're, we actually went out and like tried to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I would have loved to been a fly on the wall where it's like, just that further commitment like when you're both going to india like we're doing this like yeah we're we're going like we're taking that next step in that journey you know i i i look a lot at the if you're familiar with the blue zones no what's it's that? uh it's geographically it's the areas sorry in the can world. you hear all that in the background i'm outside mm-hmm. in like downtown chicago it's very so noisy very loosely but it's not (laughs) it's not a big deal so the blue zones globally are where per capita there's the most uh centenarians most people to live to be a hundred and they're starting to research these blue zones there's one in greece there's one in japan um i forget where the other ones are but they're finding these commonalities where you know it's a mostly vegetarian diet they have a strong sense of community there's uh, daily movement, not necessarily going to the gym, but in their daily lives, they're walking, they're gardening, they're having some sort of movement. But a lot of it too is they said all of these have some sort of faith-based spiritual connection that is in tandem and also kind of separate from other communities. And looking at that blue zone research, it's like, you know, we're talking about straight edge, we're talking about veganism, all of these like subcultures within it it's like you can be part of one of these communities or all of these communities and still have like an immense benefit to it well you know part of being healthy is not just having a healthy body it's also having healthy mind it's also having a healthy heart you know you're just not a body you know i think you know science is finally starting to you know catch up with that like you know, your mind affects your health. You can think yourself sick. You can, you can depress yourself into sickness. It's like, you know, it's not all just, just physical. It has a lot of, it has a lot of mental components tied to that also. And, you know, being into, you know, Eastern spirituality, you can easily see that your heart or your consciousness or your spirit also has a lot to do with that. So, one thing that you find that I personally find when I find people that are genuinely happy and healthy and, and seemingly integrated in this world, they have some purpose above and beyond themselves. Like they have some kind of service where they're helping people on a regular basis, like, you know, help, helping to grow and uplift, you know, all the people around them. I think that has more to do with health than your freaking kale smoothie. You know, in America, we have these people that are like super narcissistic people. And, you know, they have their kale smoothies and having this and having that, but they have absolutely no sense of (laughs) contribution in their life whatsoever. And because of that, I think they're never truly going to be healthy and they're also never truly going to be happy. I mean, this is like yoga philosophy 101. Yeah. So, so I think that you find, you know, I'm sure if you studied all these people that are like, you know, healthy and happy, you know, 
there's always going to be some sense of community, a, a great sense of community, and also a great sense that I'm living not just for myself, but I'm living for something that's way greater than myself. And that's all tied in with service, you know, according to, you know, yoga, or, you know, you could say Krishna philosophy, you know, it's all kind of tied in. Um, we're all spirit soul. You're not your body. You're not even your mind. You know, if, if you want to look at it in kind of a modern context, it's like you are the person behind the computer. Your body's the computer. Your mind is the software on the computer, but you're the person that's actually running the computer. So it's like you're the spirit soul that's inside of the body that's animating the body, that's um, you know thinking and feeling and willing and kind of moving through this world. These things are like your body's just basically like a car you're driving around in. And so you're a spirit soul. The nature of the spirit soul is you want to serve. You want to get, you want to get like the, like the greatest thing that, that the spirit soul actually craves is to give and receive love and to give love in action. It means to serve others. So when you're serving others, when you're helping other people, when you're part of a greater mission, that's doing like, you know, good in this world, you have like a sense of fulfillment in your heart. It's going to make you more happy than a, than a fleet of BMWs, you know, a billion dollars in the bank. You could have a billion dollars in the bank. You could be the biggest rock star in the world. You could be miserable, yep. you know, because I think that that self-centeredness, that, narciss that narcissism, living just for yourself, just trying to uplift yourself, it makes people miserable. And it's almost like we've created such a materialistic culture that to be a person that contributes above and beyond themselves it's almost like, it almost seems counterintuitive it's almost like you know i remember when i grew up like and i wanted to you know do music and it wasn't even like i just wanted to do music i wanted to you know the whole per, you know the whole point of youth today wasn't just to like be a musician like you know motley crew or something like that and just play music we were on a mission to kind of spread a, a message that we thought was important for people to hear that was like, that was, that was most of it. It wasn't yeah. that I was just trying to be some guitar virtuoso to impress people. <laughs> we were literally on a mission. Like you can't even believe we were talking about this. Like we would be in the van and we would play Youth Today show. And we're just at some crappy VFW hall in Ohio someplace. And we would get together before we would play. And we would almost have like this huddle. We'd be like, okay, man, this is it. We have a, we have our mission, we have our songs, we have our, you know, path and, and, you know, we have something that, you know, people could benefit from and people need straight edge in your life and people need a good dose of positivity in their life. Let's go out there and let's do it. And we would like get ourselves all fired up. <laughs> we were on a freaking mission. Yeah. And it was, a, and it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was something good, you know, like we wanted to bring a little goodness into the world and spread a little joy and love. And, you know, we felt like even at a young age that we had some tools, you know, that we found that were very effective for making our lives better, you know, being a vegetarian, um, trying to lead, you know, a, a healthy life. Um, 
uh, you know, trying to, you know, you know, trying to spread some goodness and positivity in the, you know, in this world, especially in that, you know, dark punk scene. And so we just felt like, you know, there was little things that we learned just from whatever our studies or our experiences that made our lives a little better. And we were on fire to kind of like bring that to other people. And it was just kind of like a natural thing. Like if you find something really good in your life, of course, you're just naturally, you're just going to share that with other people. And I think that was the driving force behind you to today. And even when I started to get into yoga and I started to understand a little bit about this yoga philosophy without even knowing anything about yoga, we were actually practicing yoga because we were trying, we were at least had that sense that we wanted to do something to contribute some good in this world. And I I think it's those people that have that purpose-driven life that really, they're the ones that find a really kind of like integrated purpose-driven life um, that money can't buy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think especially in like coming out of, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but coming out of it a little bit more, I feel like, you know, in another um, interview you did, you were talking about the bhakti, your kind of like a stepladder to get to bhakti. And I feel like so many people were on that first rung pre-COVID or like, especially with like, I've noticed sometimes with like punk scene, hardcore scene, people are joining it just to say they're part of the community and they're missing that service piece which is a huge part of being an involved member of the community and i feel like you had so many people that took that kind of like karma into uh jana kind of ladders of looking back and like you know i guess like did did my job really matter like now that i'm in sheltering in place like did all this stuff really matter and I feel like you have a lot of people coming out of this past couple of years really looking for and trying to find this community that I think they are all realizing that they're lacking. And it's so great that, you know, hardcore, straight edge, like all of these kind of communities are welcoming people. For I know there's like the not great parts of it too, but, you know, for the most part, if you want to find the positive people, the PMA people, like you can find them. And I think that's that's so great. And speaking of community, I wanted to definitely plug um, kind of the community you're building online too with your yoga practice. Um, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that as well, I would absolutely love to talk about that. Um, you know, for people that don't know, I'm also a yoga teacher, and before the pandemic, I you know, uh, well. Previous to the pandemic, I had my own yoga studio. So I sat in one place and I would, you know, you know, teach classes in upstate New York. Then I did the same thing in California. I moved to California, worked at a yoga studio, helped to open a yoga studio. Um, and then when I got back to New York, I was concentrating more on just being like a, a, a traveling yoga teacher. And I would go, I would hop from different studios to studio and do workshops and retreats and things like that. And then COVID hit. And all that stopped, like, you know, all of my retreats and everything and, you know, the, all the different yoga students, going through, you know, everything got canceled. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And so I, I was one of the early people that started teaching yoga online. And so I still do it. I love it. I teach yoga online every single day at 10 o'clock um, New York time. People tune in from all over the world. It's really cool. I've had people that 
came to like, you know, some of those early first classes I did like two years ago and are still taking class every single day. So it's a really That's cool great. class. It's a super challenging class. Like, I'm not going to lie. You're going to be sweating and it's a good workout. And if you're expecting to sit there and just be like, ohm, ohm, and like do this, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Yeah. I also doing- love that you know you're from New York when it's New York time and not Eastern time. <laughs> yeah exactly (laughs) it's new york time (laughs) the rest of the seaboard is on our time you know it's not just yeah but yeah Yeah. 10 a.m eastern new york time uh every day except sunday right yeah every day except for sunday at 10 o'clock website Um, status or still go to instagram um i'm 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 revamping the whole thing right now i'm actually taking this um i'm taking this really interesting um course uh by my by this by my friend actually his name is madu he plays second guitar in shelter now and he's a bit of a finance guru he's a young kid but he studied under some really kind of big time you know finance people and he really became expert at it so he's doing this course that's called transcendent mastery and it's mostly about getting your financial life together which you know i'm trying to do after you know because i'm in such a transition you know with the lockdown and everything mm-hmm. um and, but it's a great course and um i'm working with him to just kind of like revamp my whole yoga business so we're gonna do great. a website we're gonna do you know we're gonna work out like a website and work out you know what the best way of you know maybe i'll get back into traveling or just doing like more retreats i really love doing the class every day um, mostly because i just i love the people that come and I've really developed some like really, you know, great friendships. Um, and we've almost, it's almost like we've started this little hardcore yoga community and we have like a WhatsApp thread and it's not just a yoga class. I'll, I'll, you know, I do a lot of reading and a lot of studying of yoga literature and wisdom literature from India. And so we'll have like a little kind of bhakti talk or a little Dharma talk at the beginning of the class for maybe like 15 minutes. And then we'll have about five minutes of um, kirtan, like we'll do some devotional chanting, mm-hmm. and then we'll ha- and then we'll usually do like about you know forty minutes of of a of a really strong yoga class. So it goes for a little bit more than an hour. It's usually like an hour and ten minutes, hour and fifteen minutes, or something like that. And um, it's really cool, you know the you know these people that are like my yoga students. They started this WhatsApp thread, and they'll. For the people that couldn't make it that day, they'll take the lesson from that day and they'll put it on the WhatsApp thread. And it's really created this kind of like little family. And I would love for more people to be part of the family because I think it's a great thing. And I think people have really gotten a lot out of it. And it's not just yoga, but it's the whole kind of culture of yoga of trying to like, you know, integrate body, mind and spirit. And also, um, you know, just learn pieces of this philosophy that you can add to your life that can actually, you know, benefit you in amazing kind of miraculous ways. And so if anybody wants to take it, um, it's going to be, it's going to be more streamlined with a website and you're going to be able to sign up for like retreats and stuff online. But for now, the best way to do it is just go to my Instagram, which is the hardcore yogi, all one word, the hardcore yogi, and just DM me and I'll send you all the information you know, I'm doing it right now through PayPal and Venmo. So, you know, you can just you know pay for the class and take it or you can buy it, you know, a, a bunch of classes. And um, yeah, if you're into yoga and you're into hardcore, you know, 
I'd say about half the people are hardcore people. And the other half of the people are just yoga people who are like, we don't even know what a stage dive is. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes kind of an interesting mix. Yeah. There's, def there's definitely a lot of hardcore type people on there. 50% hardcore, 50% yogi, 100% yeah. PMA, good times, feeling yeah. refreshed and mindful coming out of it, I'm sure. And, you know, I, I look at it as, as like my service. It's, you know, it's a way that I can, you know, because I've been studying this stuff and going to India and, you know, re you know reading hundreds of books and um, studying with some really incredible teachers. And, you know, so over the decades, I've really learned a lot and I've learned a lot of these yogic principles and I've applied it to my life and I've, and I've gotten such a good result back from it. And I really feel like this class is my way of being able to give that back a little bit. So it's, it's um, something that's very near and dear to my heart. If you wanted to, you know, if anybody wants to take the class, like I said, it's a challenging class, but you don't have to be super good at yoga. Mm -hmm. The challenging is it's more challenging just because there's a lot of like physicality to it. Um, you'll get in great shape, guaranteed. You do my class for three months, you're going to be in the best shape you've ever been in, in your life. That's just, that's just a guarantee. Um, but actually you'll learn a lot of yoga philosophy and, um, and what the, and what the, what it means in a greater sense to, to be a yogi. And, um, I love it. I love doing it every day. You know, it's the highlight of my day, 10 o'clock to, you know, get on zoom and, you know, to do yoga with, a, with a bunch of super cool people. So if you want to be part of that, DM me on Instagram and, you know, we'll make it happen. Yeah. So yeah, this... yeah we'll, we'll put a link also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the right, right, right. Yogi on Instagram in show notes, be on the lookout for values here uh, sometime in the near future, potentially be on the lookout for new shelter in the near future, maybe new judge in the near, in the somewhat far future. Um, Fingers crossed on new judge. Yeah. Maybe, but, uh... may, maybe if we can, if we can just get over that. Yeah you know, thing and actually write something that's going to be, it's going to sound true to judge, but still kind of like kick it up a notch. Yeah. I feel like you it's, could it's do your own masterclass on, cause you were, you're involved in so much stuff. And like when you were doing schism and all that stuff, I feel like there's a whole different mindfulness practice of being involved in all of these things, but learning how to flip the levers on and off to really dedicate and focus on one at a time so you're not doing everything at 50% and you're doing a lot of different things at 100% while being you know mindful and because it seems like to some of the interviews you're like I have to get this recording done before I even think about shelter like like I well it, it must be a whole mental skill set to have to be able to juggle all that stuff that's always been my problem. Like even back in the day, I was in like three bands. Sometimes yeah. I would play shows and I'd play three sets. You know, <laughs> yeah. all three of the bands would play together. And it's like, I don't know what it is, but I always like to have a lot going on. And it is true. You just it's stay like, on you know, stage the whole night and like other people are just filing in and off. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Instead of like house gear, it's the house guitar player. Yeah. But that, but that is true. There is an art to like, you know, juggling all this stuff, but still you want to put your heart and soul into every single thing. Mm -hmm. I also really want to write a book. And um, that's been on, yeah, and it's funny too, because I went to, um, 
I had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to write a book now for years. I actually started writing a book. I started writing like a memoir. And I was like, you know what? My life hasn't been as exciting as like Harley's life. I didn't live in a squat. You know, nobody hit me over the head with a shovel, a drug dealer. <laughs> and, you, know, you know, so I was kind of like, there's got to be a better angle for the book. And it was so yeah. weird. It was so weird because, okay, I'll tell you guys this story. So we went to India. I went to, um, uh, I, I did my, uh, I had my 200 hour um, yoga certification, but you know, a 200 hour, you know, 200 hour yoga certification, sort of like your introductory yoga certification. And I've been teach. I've taught thousands of classes i've been teaching for like you know a decade just on that introductory certification and so uh ray capo raganath was doing a 300 hour certification that's your next certification and he was like do you have your 300 hour certification i was like no he's like dude you've been teaching yoga for 10 years you don't <laughs> even have your second certification i was like no i i just figured i never needed it so he was like well, I'm doing this in India. Why don't you come and get your 300 hour certification? So I went and it was really great. You know, um, we did it at this place called the Govardhan Eco Village, which is this, you know, eco, like this person, Radhana Swami, that started it. You know, you look at the world, the world's such a mess. Like there's so much pollution. There's so much exploitation of the earth. There's so much plastic. There's so much garbage. Like there's so much, everything's toxic. Like everything, like you build a house, every single thing, every single piece of wood in that house is toxic. Like, and there's a just, byproduct to having that finished product that you never see. That oh yeah, that, of the byproduct. You know, so, so this person riding us while we was just like, we're living in an insane way. Like we are destroying the earth. So his thing was, I'm going to start of like a village in India that's going to be one of these like model villages where. We're going to do it in a different way. We're going to do it instead of being against the earth, we're going to do it with the earth. So he created this eco village where there is no chemical fertilizers. There is no toxic anything like there permaculture, is like, all that stuff. Everything's done by, you know, the principles of permaculture and working with the earth and, you know, they garden and they grow their own food. And, the, you know, it's such a wonderful place. And it's not like you're living on Gilligan's Island either. Like, all the houses are beautiful. The housing is beautiful. It's kind of like a modern style place, but it's just a place where people got together. And, you know, and he's got these, he's got these students of his that are like, they're, um, they're graduates of IIT, which is like the MIT of India. It's actually more, even more prestigious than MIT. Like these oh, people wow. are like some of the greatest brains on the planet. And they have like engineering degrees and like, so this whole team got together to do this eco village and it's so inspiring. You're like, you, you, you go there and you're just like, there's a different, there's a better way to live. Like we have painted ourselves into a corner of a toxic cesspool that it's almost like we can't get out of. And here's a model of, of a way that we can do things much, much better. So we did it at that eco village, which was really, really cool. But just to get back to the book story, I digress. Yeah. So, so is is is, uh, is Capo going to turn a uh, soul farm into the next uh, yes. New York eco village? Yes. <laughs> that's, it seemed that's like it was point. it was going that direction. Yeah. 
that's his plan. He actually wants to work with the people of the eco village to kind of teach him how to make it into like a like an eco village. That's his. Yeah. That's his. That's his like ten year plan, which is I think is super cool to do. Yeah. Anyway, well, so yeah. I, so I got my three hundred hour at the eco village, and then afterwards, um, we were just like, we're just going to travel around India and go to all these like sacred places. And so one of the sacred places that we went to, we had such an amazing time. And like some of the people from the yoga, um, um, from the yoga um, certification came. So we had this like little small group. And one of the places that we went was Vrindavan, which is the land of Krishna. One of the most amazing places in all of India. Like there's 5,000 little Krishna temples in this one kind of like village. It's a pretty amazing place. And we stayed at this place that is called Radhakund. Now, Radhakund is a very mystical, amazing place where there's this lake, and the lake represents the love for that Radharani has for Krishna, which means a love that's completely unmotivated and uncontaminated. It's just pure love. She just wants to give to Krishna, give love to Krishna without any consideration about getting anything back. So this place... This sacred place kind of represents like the highest love that you can have, which isn't tainted by I scratch your back, you scratch my mm. back, and we call it love. It's just like you just want to give totally from your heart without, yeah. with no expectation in return. That's real love. So it's a very special place. And so we stayed there, and the person that we stayed with, we stayed with a person who is a bona fide mystic yogi. Like this is a person who's just a mystic. He can look at you and he can read your whole thing and he can just tell you about your, like he can look at you and he can tell you everything about your life. He's just one of these people that's just, just like on a higher, yeah. he's like on a higher vibration. He, he just reads your vibration. You know, he's just like, wow. And, you know, it, and all these things, all these like yogic perfections, when you go to India, you actually meet people that have these things. And it's absolutely amazing. So this person was one was like a mystic and we stayed with him. And so he was kind of going through all the different people and he was giving people advice and he was saying amazing things about people and telling people about their like secrets in their life that they never told anybody else he knows. And so he looked at me. And he said. Well, at the time, it was um, it was right before the pandemic, and I had just moved back to New York, and I wasn't teaching yoga for the first time in ten years. I wasn't teaching any yoga, so the very first thing he said to me was, "Why aren't you teaching yoga? How the hell this guy from Radha knows that I'm not teaching yoga?" And I said, "I don't know. I just haven't gotten it together. I just moved back to New York," and he was like, "No, you have to teach yoga." You have you're in debt to your teachers. Your teachers have sacrificed. You have you've had so many gurus and teachers that have sacrificed hours and years of and decades of their time to give you this. You have to pay that back to your teachers by giving it to other people. You have to start doing that. And I was like, this is amazing that this guy even knows that. Yeah. And then he's and then and the next thing he said was, you have to write a book. And um, I was like, wow, that's amazing because I was even thinking like I have to write this book and I've been and I was struggling to write the book. And he said, 
for your book, you have to write it about your life, but it actually has to be about something that's just bigger than just your life. Like it has to be, you know, things that you've been involved with that are way bigger than just you personally. And when he and when he said that, it was like it was almost like it clicked, and I was like, okay, I got to write this about. It's, it can't just be about me. It's got to be about like youth of today and spreading a mission and vegetarianism and like shelter and going on the spiritual quest and trying to communicate with that. That's a way better story than just John Perselli. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I got super inspired by that. But then I got back to, you know, New York and the pandemic hit and we went through this whole like two crazy years and like, um, I, I just never got focused on writing the book. And it's funny too, because we just went on this tour and I just met one of my friends is, is this guy, Robert, who's the bass player for that band Boy Sets Fire, you know, that okay. band. Yep. And he came to one of our shows. He lives in Munich. And he came early and I was so happy to see him and we were hanging out and he was like, and I was like, let's get out of this club, you know, this dirty punk club. Let's go and, you know, drive around Munich, show me around Munich. And so it was like, okay. So we, you know, we were this other person, we hopped in this car and he goes, yeah, you want to see the yoga studio that I work at? I was like, yeah, sure. Cause we were in downtown Munich and he drove me by and we, and we parked and we were walking by. He's like, yeah, this is the yoga studio that I work at. And I look in the window and there's all these books lined up, like <laughs> brand new books, like the same book. And there's like lines of them. And in the window, the yoga student, and I look at the cover of the book and his picture's on the cover of the book. No, the universe just yelling at you. ritual like was one of those like moments in my life that I was just like holy cannoli like did you did you ever see his podcast with Joe Rogan that was an awesome one I and I I just as I was telling uh someone about you know rituals podcast in general because I I do ultra marathons and I yeah I was telling you uh because I got into them from ultra marathon running and stuff like that and then this whole spiritual thing uh it came about um but yeah it's just like are we talking about opening doors the cap yeah so then yeah uh, i watched that one purcell was talking about the rogan one so i need to watch that one or listen to that one yeah it was good but let's 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 keep the mo going so you're pulling you're in germany you're pulling up to this your friend's yoga studio well well let me follow the window let me let me just say this (laughs) you know people People can think what they want, um, but I believe that there is a higher power that's sort of guiding everybody in their life, trying to uplift their consciousness to the next, to, to their whatever next level um, uh, that they should be aiming for. And so, you know, just like you said, you know, that you know, there's some things in your life that are just like they're just not coincidences, you know. And one of the things was, you know, we were talking about. 
um, you know, uh, Ray Kappa, you, you were inspired because, you know, Ray Kappa was on the Rich Roll podcast. So when Ray lived in California, like a way back in, in, in the nineties, he used to do jujitsu with Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan was in his class. And it was before Joe Rogan was famous or anything. Um, and they just became friends and, you know, they would hang out and they would, you know, they would do jujitsu every day, which was like a real kind of like small little tribe of misunderstood people. Cause, cause nobody knew what jujitsu even was back then. So it was a real kind of like underground fight club kind of thing. And him and Joe Rogan became really good friends. And then fast forward decades later, Ray Capo's like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. And so he started this podcast called Wisdom of the Sages. Mm-hmm. The day that he starts the podcast and does podcast number one, we were all in India together. He did podcast number one from India. He gets a text from Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan is like, hey, man, I want to have you on my show. <laughs> now, Joe Rogan doesn't have little small people on his show. He has these big, mega, huge people. But for some reason, he was like, yeah, he used to call him Yogi Ray. He's like, Yogi Ray, I think you got an interesting story that I think, you know, that my listeners could get into. So I'm going to, he goes, when you get back from India, I'm going to fly you from California and you can be on the podcast. Now, this is the day that he started his podcast. So he goes in, like, and his podcast is reaching like 100 people, 200 people. Like, it's very small. He goes on Joe Rogan, and the next thing he knows, he does the podcast, and the next day, there's like 10,000 people listening, and the podcast just exploded. Yeah, now it's like 20,000, I feel yeah, like. So, so it's just insane. It's like, oh, man. Somehow and somehow out of the blue, I think Krishna orchestrated that because he wanted to see Ray's podcast reach a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're, you're. I think too, it's like so many of these threads is like the connection to service. Like you're saying with the book is just another form of your service. Like Kappa with the podcast, it could have been like a, hey, you know, this is a great like service that you're giving people. Like I want to make sure that this service is reaching the people that it should reach like crazy how that stuff works so there are no coincidences and i should say if you don't listen to ray capo's podcast called wisdom of the sages he does it every single day it's absolutely amazing they go through this book that's one of the like premier yoga literatures from india it's called Srimad bhagavatam and he's such a funny charismatic guy that he makes it's it's filled with wisdom it's funny you'll laugh but you'll get a lot of you know this 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 yogic wisdom kind of like seeps through it and it's really like he does a great job with it he does it with this guy this guy kastuba and they really just do an awesome job so anyway that's wisdom of the sages so 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 back to this book thing there are no coincidences it's like i had this idea to write a book i kind of slept on it this mystic yogi sort of berates me why aren't you writing the book on the other side of the world yeah on the other side of the world he knows nothing about me and somehow or other he knows that i'm not teaching yoga and he knows that i'm sleeping on writing this book and he gives me a few really good insights into how i could make the book really good and then i still sleep on it i'm doing this other band i'm so busy i'm you know i'm teaching yoga online i got my kids but in the back of my mind i'm always thinking i got to do this book 
the mystic yogi told me I got to do this book. And so I just went on this tour, you know, a couple of weeks ago and we were in Europe and I'm with the bass player for Boy Says Fire. And, you know, we go out and he's taking me around Munich and he shows me his yoga studio that he works at. And in the window, there's all these books lined up and they all have the same cover. And I look closely at the book and his pictures on the cover of the book. And I'm like, dude, did you write a book? He's like, yeah, I wrote a book. He says, it's so weird. Like I wrote, I had this idea to write a book and um, I started writing it and all these huge publishing companies came out of nowhere. And there was sort of like a bidding war of all these major publishing companies that do a lot of books on, on yoga. Cause I mean, yoga is so hot these days. It's like, you know, books on yoga are like, you know, best-selling books. And so he did this, he, he wrote this book about yoga and um, I really want to get a copy of it. Unfortunately, it's only in, um, it's only in German. He's trying to get a, a book deal in America. I would love to actually read his book. Um, but I was like, dude, that's so impressive. And I told him the story about the mystic yogi and like, <laughs> I was supposed to write, Krishna, Krishna somehow or other wants me to write this book. And he gave me some really good insights. He said, you want to know how I got this book done? Because the only way you'll get this book done. And he, he said, I have to thank my wife for this because mm. he was also thinking about writing a book and it just never got done. And his wife said, if you want to write that book, you have to block out time every single day and seven days a week, every single day, you have to sit at your computer, whether you write two words or whether you write 2000 words, you're going to block out time and you're going to sit at a computer and you're going to dedicate time every single day. And that's how you're going to write that book. And she really, she was like his um, accountability, like every day, you know, and so he said, okay, Every single morning, I'm going to sit for a certain number of hours, and I'm going to try to write this book. And if he ever tried to weasel out of it, his wife was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop walking around, making that peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Get back on your computer. You got to write the book. It's the capo. It's the wiliest. You need that accountability partner to kind of keep you, keep you Ex with it. Exactly. So he, so he said, you know, I, I did that, and four months later, I had a book. And he goes, I really, I really think if you do that, you'll have a book too. So I got really great insights from this mystic yogi. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got really good advice from him. I'm telling you, as soon as I finish this new band's record, which should be like next week, like I should finish tracking this last song, like by the end of next week, that's it. Yeah. So I'm dedicating at least an hour every single day. You know, shifting the gear to try to write this book because so, somehow or other, just like you said the universe is screaming at me write this freaking book <laughs> so oh man That's so, yeah I, I have to work on that i cannot go back i'm supposed to go back to india in january i oh, can't yeah. face that mystic yogi without he's gonna face. find you he will yeah you won't even be anywhere near the eco village anywhere near where you saw him you'll be like in bombay at the airport or something and he'll find a way to run into you <laughs> even curse me <laughs> i gotta i gotta write this book or yeah. else I'm like can't face him <laughs> hey, hey guys real quick i'm actually gonna have to bounce off because i have an eight month old and Dude, i don't want to bounce too leave my wife <laughs> yeah do you want do you, wiley do you want me to ask the uh the the ending questions no that's okay 
okay. I think uh, I think it was good. I think the listeners have enough to uh, to go off of. So I think it's good. Beautiful. You want to close it up for us? Yeah. So I mean, Purcell, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time and you know being flexible with the tech and the scheduling. It's so amazing. I I was telling Wiley, you know, when I was doing my research for this, it's 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 almost the equivalent of like, what do you give the person who has everything? It's like, how do you interview the person that's been on 80,000 bajillion <laughs> interviews? Um, but I, I really feel that, you know, whether people, this is their first time hearing your stories, or if this is complimentary to other interviews, um, I just really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your stories and sharing your service with all of us. And you know, I, I know I have a marathon coming up in September, so I'll definitely be doing some cross training and some mindfulness, hopping on some of your classes uh, before my race day. Um, and I'm sure other people will jump on to you and we can't wait to hear uh, the more more music and all the creative endeavors that you're pursuing. All right. Awesome. It was a pleasure being on, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank all right. you. Appreciate Thank you. you so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. All right, guys. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we got who do we got, Stephen? Next month, we got you, Joe. From, you set this up. Yeah, Joe from Advent. Um, he's gonna come and chat. I can't wait to talk to him. Um, what does Joe do in the band? He's a singer. He's a singer. Okay, cool. Yep. And then he also plays drums for uh, Beloved. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. So uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a fun chat. It's gonna I, be cool. I, I dig both of those bands. So yeah. Yep. Awesome. Hey, and listen, if you uh, if you could do us a favor, if you could please uh, like our Instagram page, you can send if you're a band or you, or you do coffee or whatever, you can send us messages through that. Wiley's really good at getting back to everybody. And uh, if you also help us out, share the podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your mom, share it with your aunt, share it with anybody who likes hardcore and Ooh, coffee. your mom. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and if you could. <laughs> Uh, you can on Spotify now, you can kind of, it's not really a rating thing, but you can kind of uh, like it and give it a couple, you know, hey, this is good. Uh, on uh, iTunes, you can also hit the stars and let us know, hey, you're doing good. If you do that, it helps us get into more ears, which helps us get out this music that we're listening to that we dig that we think you guys dig gets it into more ears itself. And that's why we that's why we do this. We do it because we want to get this cool music out there and this rad coffee for everybody to try. So yeah. 
help us out. That's, r- that's right. And I'll be reviewing Focal Point Coffee next month. Oh, guess I'm what? I'm excited about that. I know what? my coffee for next month, too, and <laughs> I'm going to do Exile Coffee, and you have to wait to hear what that's all about because it's good stuff. Yeah, I just drank it in my Maxwell House cup, and it was better than Maxwell House. Did you did you see the video? Did you see the video I sent you of me feeding boy? And then at the end, I did the little John. Yes. What? Okay. And he like almost completely cried. Yes. (laughs) He's like, who is this? Who's my dad? (laughs) Um. Yeah. Anything else? What else we got? We got other stuff, right? We Dude, got, we got so much. We got so much stuff coming up. We we have the up the pups too. Comp- oh, get, get thank you, thank yep. you. Because when this drops, I think the pre order will be up, right? Whoop, well, whoop. this drops the thirtieth. Yeah. So yep. yeah. So so soon after this yeah. drops. Yeah, soon after this drops. Yeah, so that's cool. we're gonna we're gonna have cop up the pups two coffee from Oak and Crow. Right. We're gonna have posters. Yeah. We're gonna have comps. Yes. With 30 tracks on it where you'll finally be able to get, and I know everyone wanted this. Yes. You'll be able to get the uh, Skull Crack <laughs> Coffee and Hardcore <laughs> intro here only. Yes. Perfect. It's the only place you can get it. <laughs> the guys in Skull Crack are, are it will stoked be the about it. Only place. Yeah. They are. Yeah, they are. They want to, they uh, wanted we're to do vinyl. They did that for us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, hey, you you want to do vinyl with us? Uh, maybe. Yeah, they're like, let's do it in the shape of a coffee cup. Um, <laughs> um, we're doing hoodies. We're doing T-shirts. We got it. We're raising money for the pups. That's right. For, for our friends, Dog Rescue in New York. And after this episode, you won't have to hear about up the pups anymore, I promise. <laughs> but I got to put, I got to push it. No, it's I all good, push man. It. We're gonna push that like crazy because it's it's a good comp. Gotta so. push it. <laughs> push it real good. <laughs> push it, push it. <laughs> All right. We just went we to salt. Here. Yeah, we just went yeah, to salt and yeah. pepper. We gotta move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Push it real good. <laughs> <laughs>